You read the Bible, Greg. You talking to me? I'm a long sample. Keep up. Wait, wait, let me let me explain something to you. Uh, I am not Mr. Lebowski. You're Mr. Lebowski. I'm the dude. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. So what you want? Jesus freaking. I got a bad feeling about this. King Kong ain't got shit on me! Do I really look like a guy with a plan? Each and every man under my command owes me 100 net scouts. <laughs> Start to see pictures, eh? Oh, wow. Thank you for that. Hello and welcome to the Film and Loathing podcast for Friday, October 25th, 2017. This is episode number 47, and I'm Jake. I'm Chris. And I'm Zach. Coming up, we've got a double feature today. We're going to be discussing Zombieland 2, Double Tap. We'll also be discussing the Who original zombie comedy Little Monsters. Is that what it's called, Little Monsters? Yeah. All right. We'll talk about some other things that we watched and whatever comes up along the way. Maybe Paul Dano cast as the Riddler. Curious to hear Zach's thoughts on that one. Thanks for downloading. Why? Thanks for tuning in. Why? Yeah. You're a big Paul Dano fan. I'm a big Paul Dano fan. You okay. are a big Paul Dano fan. There was a moment I just where don't, you loved Paul I just Dano. don't hate him. Everyone is always like, Paul Dano fucking sucks. Fuck Paul Dano. I mean, and I just, I just don't, I don't dislike him. It was no Will Ferrell's The Greatest Actor Facebook post, but you loved Paul Dano for a little bit. <laughs> I wouldn't say that I loved him. I just, I think he's good. I think you he's a what? good actor. You know what? Fuck you, Zach. This is literally you and every single actor I say I like. <laughs> oh, big Jim Parsons fan. Chris, you're the biggest Jim <laughs> Parsons fan. Oh, shit. Because the problem is that you get way more fired up than I am right now. You know what? You're a big Paul Dano fan. You love the Dano. You go go wild for the Dano. I do. You're right. Fuck you. (laughs) He wants a little DP from PD. You know what I'm saying, Chris? Oh, my gosh. Exciting. Well, but how you guys been this week? It's been a while. Sick as balls, dude. You got a case of influenza going around the 207? We had some weird stuff going on at work this past, like, week and a half where everybody has been getting sick. And it was just... passing it to each other? Yeah, apparently. But I I was just... It was my turn. And I stayed home for, like, the past three days and just snuggled up in my sick blanket and my sweatshirt and sweatpants. Threw on a TV show and movies, you know, made a hot, hot cup of tea. Did you watch about a Master Chef Junior? No, but I did watch um, David Chang's new show where he eats food in a bunch of different places. <laughs> Who is David Chang? David Chang is the um, executive chef of Momofuku Co. Oh, yeah, of course. Well, what is Momofuku Co? Momofuku Co is this uh, restaurant group that he started where he has a bunch of restaurants in New York and a couple other places, I'm pretty sure. But uh, he started Momofuku, uh, Momofuku back in like 2004, and it was like the first like big noodle bar. Like it was the it was what brought noodle bars like excitement around the country. It's kind of like umami and Tatan Bangor. Ex- except like 
20 times better apparently oh okay because he only uses like the best ingredients but this guy is like a michelin starred restaurant like he has a restaurant called co that is two michelin stars which is a pretty big deal two michelin stars yeah two michelin stars do you know the michelin star system i don't all right so the michelin star system is his michelin tire um, they back in the day decided to rate food for some reason. And now it's like the guidebook of like where the best restaurants are in the world. Three Michelin stars is the most you can get. That means that it's a destination that you travel for to get specifically their food. Two Michelin stars means outstanding food and outstanding service. And one Michelin star means, um, fantastic all around, but, um, not quite enough to get two stars. And then if you get no stars, then you're basically just an average restaurant. Mm-hmm. What, how many case. Michelin stars does Denny's have? Um, see, the thing is, is that they got so many that they just stopped creating Denny's <laughs> as you know, a restaurant there. Once moons over my hammy came out, they just called it. They said, this is enough. You guys are already winning too much. Makes sense. <laughs> is that the dish called moons over my hammy? Oh, that's my go-to meal at Denny's, dude. <laughs> that's ham, egg, cheese between white toast. Ooh. That does sound up your alley delicious that's what it is plus it comes denny's has the best hash browns or not hash browns um home fries oh no no hash browns is the right word they have the best hash browns because they're so crunchy and crispy would your ideal meal be if jim parsons brought oh my gosh hammy to your table yeah yeah yeah, sure if he sat down and ate it with me it would have been 10 times better (laughs) (laughs) mr jim could you say bazinga once for me, please? <laughs> oh my fucking gosh. Yeah, ma'am. So that's the Michelin star system. This guy's got two of them. Two stars. Oh, so he couldn't get three? What a loser. You uh, could get three. Spot, the thing is, is that, like, people shooting for three stars, like, their mental health is, like, super shitty a lot of the time. So he doesn't want to, like, put that stress on his team to get three Michelin stars. Sounds like he's a fucking pussy. Two seems pretty good, though. I mean... Two is... Two, two means that you're, like, in the top 150, 200 restaurants in the world. Because you know what's better than two Michelin stars? What's better than two Michelin stars? Three Michelin stars. <laughs> <laughs> Should have known that one, bud. You told us the system. There was a guy. There was a guy. How, wait, wait, wait. I want to know if you. Kn- I have a trivia question for you. Ask away. How many restaurants have three Michelin stars? Oh, I have no fucking idea, dude. It's like a world. It's like a worldwide Curious. thing. Like they don't do just like one country. It started in France, but they kind of spread out throughout the world. Number of restaurants. With list of Michelin three star restaurants. Look at that Wikipedia. Is Wendy's on there? Currently, there are 133 oh. restaurants with three Michelin stars. They should limit it to ten. Like only ten restaurants in the world. Can get it. That's what it says. Yeah, that's what I have here. <laughs> there I mean, are 14 in the United States. Yeah. The best I'm restaurant curious. in the United States is uh, in New York. It's called Eleven Madison Park. 
<coughs> it was rated like number one in the world like two years ago. What's so great uh, about it? Uh, they're just you cooking food in a completely unique way. They're, the interior of that place, I've seen photos, is unfriggin' real. What's it called, they, Chris? Uh, 11 Madison Park. Oh, yeah, right there. They're Does really... it have vegan options? They probably don't care about, about your dietary restrictions. Oh, then I'm revoking one of their stars. <laughs> you hit it here first, Michelin Guide. Zach said it's final. Fall in line or fall out? Huh. I'm going to go. Oh, maybe I'll take Rachel there next weekend. Oh, good luck getting a reservation, <laughs> dude. It's expensive as shit. I'm pretty sure like a like a, a, a meal is like 350 400 bucks. No problem. I was going to do credit cards with a limit of $10,000. Easy. Free money. That's right. Exactly. I'm going to pay it back. Bankruptcy, dude. Wipes it all away. I mean, the tip is included in that, so at least you don't need to add 20% onto that charge. That is, I mean, that is good. That saves me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Saves, th- it's peace of mind, you know. You don't need to do the math there and, and grade your service. They've graded it for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I would imagine that if you were a bad server, like, you, you would never step foot in this restaurant. No, gosh, no. Like, these guys do serving as a career. Like, this isn't just, like, a job to get them through college. Like, a lot of these people, they're doing that as a career. Like, the amount of money this place probably pulls in in a year is incredible. But the amount of overhead they have is also incredible. Because those kitchens, they have top-notch equipment all around the board. They Like, 11 Madison Park in their bar area, right up above it, is, like, a, a gold ceiling that is actually gold leaf, like, pressed against paint. 11 Madison Square Garden? Yeah, exactly. 11 Madison Park. What's the uh what's what's the word for all the money you make in a year? Uh total gross income? Re- revenue. Revenue. It's probably what, at least 1200 bucks. <laughs> in a year? I don't know, man. That sounds like a lot of money. <laughs> it's a 3-hour dinner. It's yeah, a- man. 295 per person. I don't have that kind of time. The Sorry. head wa- the <laughs> head waiters make 80,000 a year up to but up to 150 when you include the tips. Imagine making 150 grand for being a Just server. Cuz you're a server. That's crazy. I mean, that- okay, so here's what would be great, right? Dude, there's Imagine, no like This is what's crazy. There's sorry to cut you off, Zach, but there's no dress. There's no dress code at Eleven Madison Park either. What really? It's not. A, it's not a jacket tie place. No. It says. Uh, it says like I could just fucking show up in my polo hat and space t-shirt, brother. You would Dang. too. You'd walk in and there'd be people dressed up in fancy shit, and you'd come in wearing your spaceman t-shirt. Dude, or I'm, no, no, your 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 Jesus loves you, but I don't. So fuck yourself. <laughs> if I'm spending three hundred dollars a plate. I don't give a fuck what I'm wearing. I will wear nothing, and you will like it. I mean, you get, like, these tiny – they're, like, tiny courses on plates, but you get, like, 12 of them. Yeah, so it's, like, a three-hour meal. Mm-hmm. I would wear my K National Park hat and my Rob Zombie t-shirt, and <laughs> I can just walk right in. 
Oh my gosh. You know, um, like I know there's this place that got three stars in Chicago called Alinea, and they made a bubble of sugar. Alinea? Like, Let's look this one up. Like they oh, made, I should have look up the yearly revenue. They made like a balloon made of sugar. And it has like like sage-infused air on the inside. It's like weird. Like the stuff that these people are doing are absolutely crazy. Now, imagine you're a server at 11 Madison Park and you make $150,000 a year, but you have a grandma like any of ours who, like, doesn't quite understand the upscaleness of the restaurant you work at. So, like, what do you do when you're 35 years old? You still work as a waiter. (laughs) (laughs) Ma'am, you're wasting your life. (laughs) You're right, ma'am. According to this, Chris, that restaurant makes rough. Uh, estimated 1.3 million dollars a year. That's wild, dude. And it's just that one restaurant. This they guy. Make it a chain. How much do you think Verve made a year? Not that much. <laughs> Not even close. I bet they made <laughs> probably like what 200 thousand a year, maybe. Maybe. Uh, no, it's probably more. 1.3 million. That's what you said. That's what it says. It says, but this says that the um, the owners of it won't say how much money they make. But there was a guy who wrote a book about the restaurant. He estimated that it makes one point three million a year. That was in two thousand. That was in two thousand and twelve. If they're making like one hundred and eighty thousand dollars a year, I mean that must be pure profit. Then that can't be total revenue. Yeah, that was after. Uh, oh, here we go. Estimated three point thirty. Oh, sorry, thirty three point three million. That's a go. lot of money. There you go. That seems a little, that seems more like it. So I mean, one point three million profit in the and like the owners' pockets. Imagine making one point three million dollars by a restaurant. McDonald's does it like every hour. Well, yeah, but like they're they a, got a lot. But this is just one single location. I don't know that McDonald's on Broadway gets pretty busy. <laughs> But then on Glassdoor.com, when I try to put in my resume to work there, it says that the rep <laughs> it says that the revenue is between one to five million per year. That can't be total revenue. It's what it says. There's no way. Because like, like the amount know. of cooks they have there, plus But then but maybe like one restaurant though at three hundred dollars a plate, <laughs> like okay, already you're limiting the amount of people that can eat there. Their restaurant right. is you're huge. In, you're in New York City, so like, if there's a place to have that restaurant, it's there because there's far more people who can afford to eat there. Sure, it's a terrible business decision to set up in Winterport, <laughs> but like New York City, you're probably fine. Huh. New York City has the most restaurants per capita. I don't know, man. Wild, I can't. Though. I can't figure out what it what it makes. That's only the best in the United States. Like, that's probably not even the best in the world. Probably not. I don't even know how... How would you even rank that? The best in the world. Like, how do you compare sushi versus, like, curry or something? I mean, once you... I can rank them for you right now. Rank it, Zach. Well, sushi over curry. (laughs) Then there's everything else. I had Chipotle for dinner. Can verify Chipotle and the ground round are probably tied, and then everything else. 
Why the ground round, dude? Yeah, I love the ground round. He's that free yeah. popcorn, I guess. Their food's really not that good, but yet. Oh. Although that that sampler though that they do with the buffalo chicken and the potato wedges and the mozzarella sticks, it's pretty good. That's they pretty have, amazing. They had a thing there once that was like, uh, what was it called? Worms and dirt or something, and it oh, was yeah, like, brother. yeah, brother, yeah, brother. It's like the pudding with the Oreos and the gummy worms stuck in. You could get it in a in a plastic Boston Red Sox hat. Yeah, that was my jam. I got the fucking Mets. Yeah, you would get the Mets. I did get. Was the that Mets. was that by choice? No, I think they just brought whatever. In New England, they brought you a Mets helmet. Maybe this is what they had in stock. They got a little shipment of boxes and they opened them up and they were like, ah, fuck Mets. I don't want to be Red Sox. Give me that fucking Jake kid. <laughs> Piece of shit. It's fucking Dude, birthday. You no, know, like, Tuesday was, like, pay what you weigh. So it was, like, I think it's, like, 10 cents a pound. And you weigh, like, 60 yeah. pounds. So it was, like, 6 bucks. You eat your meal. Wish they Sick. still did that. That's very I... fat fatphobic, right? No, it just means you have to pay more. <laughs> yeah, somebody goes in and they're, like... 400 pounds and they're like all right so you gotta pay yeah, well i think the cutoff age is like 12 so. no, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just picturing someone being like all right let's just pay what you weigh right it's like yeah how much do you weigh sir 400 pounds all right i'll be 40 dollars sick at that rate it's probably cheaper to not do pay what you weigh so i mean yeah obviously <laughs> oh you guys want to move into our reviews then for the week what do you guys want to do first? Little Monsters or Zombie Lamb? Doesn't matter to me. Well, I think before we do those, since Chris took us on this tangent, before we get to say happy one year anniversary. Is that right now? It's not today, but it was the 22nd. Oh. One whole year. Happy anniversary, guys. We made it one year. This has been a lot of fun. We had a lot of laughs, a lot of cries. I'll be looking forward to 50, though. That's what I'm looking I don't care about the calendar year. I want episode 50. Then you can quit. Let's, we get to 100. We'll do our top 100 films, and then we'll just... We'll never... We'll go radio silence. <laughs> You'll never most, hear from us again. Most top people one, don't make- Top 100 episode 100? I don't know if one calendar year is enough time to watch the films needed to watch to make a top 100. It's your personal top 100 of the yeah, ones that you've seen. <sighs> There's the just only way so you many could out make there, that list is if you haven't seen 100 movies in your life. Yeah, but who cares when when you haven't seen all the good films to make it a good list, you know? Yeah. Okay, Jake, you are never going to be able to see all the good films. Oh, well, that attitude. I don't think you're like I, don't, I think that's impossible. I could, I could rattle off like ten right now though that I would like to watch if I wanted to do a top one hundred. Just boom like yeah. that, do ten. I think one could make the argument though, like if it was destined to be one of your favorite films, you would watch it already. That's you gotta think not, about not true. Your favorite film not true. Be not ones true. that formed who you are as a person. You've already seen it. But that doesn't make it your favorite. I watched The Grudge and, uh, when I was like eight or something. Yeah, and... it made you a little bitch. Yeah, but I don't like the movie. I don't necessarily know if 25 years old is really the... Uh, if you haven't seen it by now, you're not going to like it. You wouldn't have seen it. You'd have seen it. <laughs> no, I think that's true. I don't know about that. 
You're, you're telling me that when I grow up and I'm not 23 anymore, that I won't love Rob Zombie movies? And I'll say, you're a fucking asshole. That's not true. <laughs> That's not true. But there's plenty more stuff out there that you're going to get into and dig up. And well, I, I can't wait for it is the day that I love Halloween 2. Because I will watch it until I love it. Every Halloween. Pop her on. I'll watch it every day, other every other day. That's what I was. That's what I'm doing with Cowboys and Aliens. Cowboys. That seems like a waste of time. He's going to fit it into his top. His top (laughs) fifty. Maybe. You never know. And the dark. All right, so now Hold on. Actually, I have to call in my dinner order. Hold on. Let's take a quick pause. We'll have to see. While we're waiting, I just want to say, uh, fuck you, Gion, for saying that most podcasts don't make it past 10 episodes. This is our one-year anniversary, bitch. Yeah, you suck. (laughs) (coughs) Oh, boy. He's not going to hear that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I would actually, you know what? At 100 episodes, I would do a top 100 just to see what Chris's top I think 100 we could, is. We could do it, and then Number let's five, say... Ratatouille. The only reason I do anything anymore is just to see what Chris will say about it. <laughs> see, that's why people tune in right there. <laughs> that's the only reason I do anything. Fun to do it now, and then in like five years, you can look back and be like... That's what I said. What the my fuck was I saying? Not my had, number forty six was. What an idiot! Guy wow, old, I had gold member at seventy. <laughs> I should have been at thirty five. Oh gosh. I am. It's funny that you say that though. I've been making a list of movies to consider for a top one hundred, and guess what? I got on that list, gold member. Gold member. I hope I never see that movie again. Oh, shut I hope, up. I hope I own the box set in the next week or two. Speaking of box sets, I bought the Omen box set today. Is that an Arrow release? Scream Factory. Scream Factory. How's that? Dig into that. I can't wait to get the Harry Potter 4K collection. Gross. It's gonna be, that might be my prize. What, are you too good for Harry Potter now, Zach? I wouldn't... I just wouldn't say that I'm rushing out to get the harry potter 4k box set you mean the movie that you first went to see in theaters you don't want that movie on beautiful 4k look the first one yeah first three i would say absolutely after that no i like the fourth one you would like the fourth one it's such a fun time i like the fourth one what's wrong with the fourth one i don't like the fourth one i like the fifth one I will say that it's not the best, but it's the most fun you have out of any of the Harry Potters, I'd say. I, I can't stand, I can't stand the first one. What? What? You can't stand the first Harry Potter? When was the last time you watched it? La- like two nights ago, actually. Really? Yeah, legit. So you're going to talk about it on this episode? I wasn't going to, but... Well, you're fucking going to now. Right, I, watched I, it a, I watched it a year ago, and it was terrible. The acting is not good. Great, but yeah, that's what it is. It's the worst child acting. Well, how old were they? Like, like yeah. thirteen years old? Maybe you mean younger, twelve. Now they play people who are like ten, weren't they? So they got to be a couple years older than that. 
12 or 13 at least yeah, they're 13 years old okay i will i will admit i i was watching that and i was actually thrown back by how bad emma watson's acting is and how <laughs> how, how, how uh, she became the one to be the most the famous out of those three i will have no idea i think i do the general south tofu dinner? she became the most famous i mean daniel radcliffe like had his, had a couple movies after that but emma watson yes, by far the most famous out of those three that's gonna do it I don't know, maybe, maybe. I mean, she was in This Is The End, which was basically like a who's who of, you know, comedic actors in that kind of nope, that's category. Right. I don't know. I feel like she was in like The Bling Ring and Perks of Being a Wallflower, which okay. were very critically enjoyed. Um, can I just pay for that's that right really, now? Actually? That's really your... You really want to put your card on the air, Zach? <clears throat> oh, now that that's all squared away, you guys want to talk uh, Little Monsters? Yeah, let's do that one first. So let's talk Little Monsters first so that you two can talk about it, and we can just move on to Zombieland. Did you not watch it? No, I watch it, but I don't remember a single thing about it. Well, let's give us a plot synopsis. All right. So, pop, tap, and go if you want. Like, we don't need to stay on this for a while. I just want to hear what you guys have to say, because right. it has got to be the... Well, one second. So, Little Monsters is written and directed by Abe Forsyth, and the plot uh, stars Lupita Nyong'o, Josh Gad, Alexander England, Cat Stewart. Uh, and the plot synopsis: A washed-up musician teams up with a teacher and a kids' show personality to protect young children from a sudden outbreak of zombies. What did you guys think of Little Monsters? I think that. It's pretty generic and shitty. I think it's very shitty. I think it's that's I think why it's, I can't remember a thing about it. I thought it's I thought offensive, like just how mediocre it is. I thought that the first like ten minutes were were pretty funny, but then after that, everything was just complete and total dog shit. Like they have a big pull to this movie through Josh Gad. And he's in the movie, like, probably ten minutes total. And he's the least likable character. Beyond yeah, that, I'm, like, I'm fine with that. Well, I don't know why you'd sell him as the person. Like, when you have Lupita Nyong'o, like, why wouldn't she be the biggest pull? Just, uh, I think it's just because it's a Academy comedy Award movie. Winner. Yeah, he's but an it's Academy a... Award winner. That's going to be have clout over Josh Gad. Yeah, but it's it's a comedy movie. She doesn't have she doesn't have the footing that he has in that realm. Who cares? She has an Academy Award. What is Josh? What awards has Josh Gad won? He hasn't won any. Well, actually, did he win a Tony for for Book of Mormon? I'm curious. I think that the person who is the main character is pretty terrible. He is. I'm very confused why like that's the story that it chooses to follow. I don't. I don't know. Like, it seems like Lupita Nyong'o should be the main character of this movie. Again, because she's got the Academy Award. Not only that, but, like, she's the teacher of this... Like, without him... Without him, and you still have exactly what happens in this movie. Like, like, following him and following, like, his struggles with his girlfriend or whatever adds nothing. Like... Nope. Just follow her... And, like, just go to this place where the zombies come. And then, okay, you still have the exact same movie. Yeah. 
I hated the Taylor Swift stuff. Oh my god, uh, it just started. So stupid. And like for a movie that has zombies in it, like this movie should not be this boring. The zombies are horrible. I just don't get what I just don't get what the point of this movie is. Like what is it trying I don't just don't get what it's trying to get at. Well, you know, it's teaching this one guy how to grow up by putting him in a situation where he's forced to grow up. But you could do that without using zombies. I know. I also think the zombies are really lame. Like, it goes out of its way to explain to you, like, where the zombies come from and to show you that they're relatively contained in this area. So there's almost no threat at all. It's like all they have to do is travel a mile in, in any direction and, like, they're home free. Yeah, I, I'm very, very confused about this movie. It doesn't add anything. I guess I just don't... I guess it's unique in the fact that there hasn't been a zombie movie where zombies are calmed down by music. But I don't get what that's trying to tell me. Is that really trying to tell me that the problems in the world right now could be... Could we solve if uh, we just sing uh, Shake It Off? Polarized caps melted? Don't worry, Chris. Just shake it off. (laughs) Sing the polarized caps, shake it off. I toy Swift on a ukulele and all the problems will be solved. I mean, even if there was no message to this movie and it was just like the most, you know, generic type of comedy, at least if they did it well. But like... The main character, the guy who's supposed to be the driving force behind the movie, is just terrible. Plus, after the first ten minutes, that guy does not make a joke for the rest of the movie. And he's the main character. Oh, this movie is egregiously unfunny, too. It's got a lot of balls calling itself a comedy. I mean, Chris, you're the the cock here. Was this this pumping blood to your main vein? There was a... No, there was no no chuckles. Like I said, the first ten minutes, I will admit, I laughed when he was swearing in front of the kid. But you know, that's just funny shit to me. It's classic funny. And shit. like going like the extended <laughs> scene of like going to his apartment and his wife's or girlfriend, whoever is fucking another guy, and the kid so random. Making it go as long as that scene did was kind of wrong. Ma- have the the idea of it was funny, and when I will admit, when they opened the door and saw that, I did laugh. But dragging it out was just kind of like a pretty, painful thing to watch. And pretty obvious that it was going to go that way. Of course, it was going to go that way, but it still tickles the funny bone because it's just like this little kid is staring at this woman, fuck this old dude. Like it's it's just a funny idea, but like once you kind of settle down and in that situation and kind of let yourself simmer in that situation, you're starting to be like. Well, fuck, this is weird. Like, why are you why are you sticking around for this? It's also, like, like, the sister, like, just gives this guy, like, way too many chances. And is like, it's like, okay, if you fuck up again, you're, you're out. Like, you can't be saying that. And then he brings the kid to his ex's house dressed as Darth Vader. And then it's like, if you can't grow up, you're going to be, you're going to be kicked out. And it's like, okay, well, will you bring my kid to school? And it's like, what? Like, of all of this, 
he's proved to you that he should be allowed to like be alone with your child. Like, are you a fucking moron? Like, what are you doing? This movie is the worst. Who pick? Whose idea was it to review this one? I don't know, dude. It must be Chris. No, shut up! Don't you put this on me? We all know it was you, you ass. Dude, I saw people give it <laughs> good reviews, and I was like, oh, okay. People I mean, or people? The internet. The internet doesn't lie. I almost watched the other little monsters on Netflix. That might what's, have been better. What's the other little monsters? It's like a like a Halloween. It's like a little kid Halloween classic. I'm pretty sure it was a Disney movie or something. Oh, I totally should have done that instead. Yeah, it came out in 1989, apparently. But it's about, like, this blue dude who lives under this kid's bed. Yeah. And he's the boogeyman. Um, And then this kid falls into this world of monsters. Does Lupita Nyong'o sing Shake It Off? (laughs) No, but it's got Fred Savage. But it's got Fred Savage and Ben Savage in it. I don't know what we were thinking. I don't know either. I will say, I liked, like, her having to explain to the children, like, like what's going on. Like, all the really simple explanations that she gives for things. I thought those were kind of funny. Like, when she kills the zombies and she has fucking blood all over her face. And they're like, kids are like, what's that? And he's like, oh, it's just strawberry jam. Gosh, I wanted to punch the putt-putt kid in the face so oh, bad. Oh, yeah. That entire Here's, movie. Why didn't any of the kids die? Like, you have all these disposable characters. Like, let's kill some of them. Like, no one dies in this movie except Josh Gad. Is this movie rated R? It's rated, it's rated R, too. For what? Because <clears throat> the guy says fuck a couple times. Is that really why it's rated R? Because he said he was he fucks all those moms, dude. Because he said he fucks all those moms. This movie fucking sucks. I was severely disappointed. Yeah. I went back. So, like, literally the day after, I was talking to Rachel, and I was like, I don't really remember what happened in that movie last night. I read the Wikipedia synopsis and I was like, okay, no, I definitely remember this stuff, but I don't remember this stuff. Like, it was definitely one of the least memorable movies you've ever could have seen. That is true. Like, it's so easily watchable that you don't even have to engage with it. And it's just that simple. There's not nearly enough violence in this movie for it to even be worth existing like there's no like josh gad's character is terrible so who cares if he dies that other guy he's kind of a dick honestly the main character he kind of sucks so who cares if he dies the thing you're working with is lupita nawanga because she's a sweetheart and the children and they're never under distress and even then i could have cared less if the fat kid died i could have cared less if any of them died like Start I didn't want killing them off. I didn't want the the, the uh, that's no. Uh, like it would have made it interesting if that little kid died. He was the only person besides Lupita Nyong'o that I felt like any like sort of sympathy towards. Like there's no like there's no tension. There's no suspense built because like these people never feel like they're truly in danger. And like 
<clears throat> it's definitely because they go out of their way to tell you that the zombies are only in this one area. Like, what? Okay, so what's the big fucking deal? <laughs> I think the only real interesting concept is, like, the idea of, like, overly protecting children and, like, shielding them from the world. But that's... I don't even know if that was something that they intended to even do. That's kind of a byproduct of it. No way. That was just a byproduct of the teacher's, you know, kind of caring nature. Like, that could have been interesting to explore something along those lines, but... It's just so shallow. And in every regard, it's very shallow and weak. And I don't know, man. Maybe this is the time. Start sending your scripts to Hulu. (laughs) Just... And also, like, what about this movie made Academy Award winner Lupita Nyong'o be like, I should do that? Because she got to sing Shake It Off by Taylor Swift. Might be it. Probably because gar- of Das Moolah, baby. I guarantee you she did not make that much money from this. She's probably like, hmm, I've always wanted to know how to play the ukulele. Got, dr- got, got drunk one night, accidentally signed a contract. They're gonna pay me to play. That I find to be far more realistic. <laughs> she was like real depressed after us. Her agent just slips it in there. She throws her signature on it. Next thing she knows, Josh Gad's knocking on her trailer door and what are you doing? We're shooting little Josh, monsters. Josh Gad is knocking on her door with that fucking frog puppet on his hand going. <laughs> She's like, what the fuck did I make doing? Yeah. Like, this isn't the movie I signed up for? This is... Fuck. Shit. Fuck. Like, even Josh Gad. Josh Gad went... He was Olaf on... He was the most loved character in the highest grossing animated movie of all time. And then he does this? Josh Gad is more believable, but I still feel like he had a far better options than this. What? What is this pedestal you're putting Josh Gad on? <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just don't hold in high regard. Like, you're literally poo-pooing on Lupita Nyong'o's. She's like, Academy Accord, whatever. But like Josh Gad, you want a Tony for a movie that has as hard a comedic vi- a vibe as this does, and a movie that, but it's, you know, it's literally registered as a comedy. Yeah, it's not funny, but it still was advertised as a comedy movie. But like the and jokes the are the person- most obvious jokes you could do like when they're on the bus and they're like oh you're a singer songwriter too plays a song okay it's a bunch of kids obviously he's gonna play some fucking weird (laughs) metal song like obviously that's what's gonna happen and then the whole thing with like lapita nuango like basically stalking the band members of hansen is like what the fuck hansen that's such a deep cut that like that's Who totally, even is gonna fucking that's remember the director's that? Director's favorite band, no doubt. That's the director's favorite band. So like, hey Lupita, you wanna come to my trailer? Listen to some Hanson. <laughs> Play it on the ukulele. It's so dumb, stupid. Yeah, I, I don't really have a lot to say about Little Monsters. I'm uh, heavily disappointed. It's. Very unfresh, unoriginal, and in a world where we have so much zombie content, this is a waste of space. Big time. Big time. 
I wish I could disagree with that. Like I hate saying I, I just hate grading movies so harshly, but like I wish I this could disagree with everything it. that you what guys is, are saying. What about this movie is it? Is it because it's got Josh Gad? You got a big boner for Josh Gad? It's just the most plain movie I've ever seen. Like it's literally like some guys are sitting in a room and you're like they were sitting there making the attempt to try and be so shitty. It's so offensively in the middle of the road. Like it commits to nothing. It's like these people like it feels like none of them truly wanted to make this. It was like, yeah, there's we'll throw this pitch. Like there's no way they'll fund it. And then it's, it's like they fund like, it and they're like, what the fuck? Now we actually have to make yeah. this thing. It's like the one. It's like the one movie that everybody took 15 minutes out of their week every week to go film one more part of this movie, and then they just had a finished product. Or like Abe Forsyth like wrote this screenplay like 15 years ago. And they just randomly called him up out of the blue and like, oh, hey, Abe, do you remember that screenplay you wrote, Little Monsters? Uh, barely. Well, you're making it for Hulu, bud. Show up Monday. <laughs> we got you, like, Josh Gad. Oh, you did? I mean, uh, oh, you did? Uh, <clears throat> whatever. <coughs> she had to have got paid for this movie to do it. That I doubt spot. it, dude. Actually, for the listener, that was a spot on... Abe Forsyth impression. Impression. Look him up. He's talking to you, Jeff Bezos, because we know you're listening. Spawn. I don't know. I got nothing to talk about. I'd rather talk about Zombieland 2, to be honest with you. What are you going to say out of five stars? Uh, 1.5. It's a one. I'll give it a two. Half a star reduction for wasting my time. I'll give it to you because I love Josh Gad. I can't, <laughs> I can't go with a zero. I can't bring myself to take it there. But it's not like it's not like it's a terrible movie. It just it's doesn't a terrible do anything movie. memorable. No, it's a no. terrible movie. Like I said it's the least memorable movie. It just there's nothing it's... about it that makes me go, yeah, you should watch it. But it's not like it's... it's poorly made. It's genuinely bad. Like, it's not even just completely mediocre. Like, it is a genuinely bad movie, and I wish I could not say that, but I have no other choice. In one eye, out the other. Yeah. Okay. Oh, wait. Oh, you gave it two. All right. Let's move on, then. Let's talk about... Coffee. Hold on. All right. We'll talk about uh, Zombieland Double Tap, directed by Ruben Fleischer and stars... Woody Harrelson, Jesse Eisenberg, Emma Stone, uh, Abigail Breslin, Luke Wilson, Rosario Dawson. And the plot synopsis is Columbus, Tallahassee, Tallahassee, Wichita, and Little Rock move to the American heartland as they face off against evolved zombies, fellow survivors, and the growing pains of the snarky makeshift family. What did you think of Zombieland Double Tap? See, the thing I liked about it is the same thing that I don't really like about it. Give it to me. Is that they took it from an actual serious situation with some very lightheartedness thrown in, and then they brought it to a movie completely about lighthearted situations. Like, it was less about, like, they made it so, like, it was a struggle to beat zombies in the first one, and now they're just like, yeah, now we're all just both, we're all really good at it, so, like, there's no struggle there, which I felt kind of sucked but like at the except same time except for the news the new evolve zombies yeah except for the t-800s which 
you know, were an interesting idea to bring up because I liked that, but it just kind of seemed like I wanted them to have more trouble doing what they were doing because it didn't really <laughs> seem like anything came out of even having these different kind of zombies besides the homers, which was just a funny thing to throw in there. Mm-hmm. Well, kind of like Little Monsters, this movie is kind of the same thing. Like it, I, Now, this is not as bad as Little Monsters. Don't get me, oh. don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. But well, why did you need a Zombie Land too? I don't, I don't understand. This also doesn't justify its existence to me. And what the worst part is that it took the least boring, the most boring elements of the first one to expand on, like Emma Stone Jesse Eisenberg's relationship. I could give a fuck about that. Little Rock growing up and wondering what it's like to get that D, that sweet sweet D. Not that interested in that either. Hmm. That's what Am I the only about. one who liked this movie? I liked it into the sense that it's, I didn't feel like it was a waste of time. I had a couple of good laughs out of it, but... I enjoyed parts of it. Like, I thought that there was definitely some really good humor in the movie. But I'm not going to say it was a great movie. I think the first act and the third act are terrible. I like the second act. All the stuff with like them on the road, Graceland, the odd like comedy coming from that woman who they find in the freezer. Oh, she was funny, dude. Like some of that stuff like kind of worked for me. I thought it was kind of funny in the middle, but like all the other stuff like just didn't really care at all. I barely liked the first Zombie Land. I really liked this movie. Yeah, give it to us. I thought it was just fun from beginning to end. Yeah. And I don't know. I sort of like, like I guess what Chris is saying he doesn't like is what I liked about it. Because like, I like that the zombies aren't like the focus. It's like we've been in this apocalypse long enough. Like we've been in this apocalypse for ten years now. Like we know how to kill these zombies. We, they're not really much of a threat anymore. So now, how do we go about living? If that's not our main... If surviving is not our main focus, now we have to focus our attention towards something else in the next part of our lives. Like, how do we do that with the context still being you're, like, one of the only few people remaining on Earth? I get it. And I understand where they went with it. And it's definitely a cool idea but it just seems if you're going to introduce, you know, and you're going to make a point in the beginning of the movie to really drive home the point that these zombies are evolving. But then there's only really one difficulty. One point where it's, they have difficulty killing these zombies is just kind of seems like wasted time to me. But like, like I said, the movie is not really about the zombies anymore. Like It's just in the context of that world. I get it. And like I saying, I understand. It's just in why drive that point home. Like why why make it known that there are evolved zombies if you're not going to bring them into play? They do. In the briefest of senses. Why? I mean, like I would say the last twenty five minutes, if not was... more than that, is dedicated to them. <laughs> more difficult to kill. In the beginning, they introduce three different kind of zombies. In the middle, they mention. The T-800. 
they show the T-800, and then they have them fight against two more T-800s. So it just kind of seemed like, why well, would you involve... Plus a whole horde of them. And then the end, but I'm, what I'm saying is, why would you have them fight so many of them and bring them up so much if they're not even an important part of this movie? I think you're sort of overstating how important they are to this movie. I'm not saying they're important. The zombies? The, the evolved zombies. Kind of just, is. You get the entire last act is all dealing with it. It's what the movie builds to. In a sense, I guess. How can you not? How can it not be that it's literally the last? That's the last part of the movie. I just that stuff was fine to me. I think they built it enough. They explained it enough for me to get it. Oh, I just mean it more about like explain it too much. That like. Ultimately, the movie does end up just being about zombies again, and it's not really about the lo- the home stuff anymore. They end up in the same situation they started at, just with another person. They started. They end in the same situation they started, but with a different perspective on how they started. Mm. Don't say no, because that's literally what that final monologue is about. I don't know about that. I'm sorry. I have a hard time believing that. Even though it literally says it, you have I a think, hard time believing it? I think the one guy. Oh, boy. This is natural born killers all over him. Oh, my fucking gosh. <coughs> literally states you know in the voiceover. Even, and Jesse Eisenberg is the main character, so, like, really his his point of view is really all we're concerned about. It's just I just I just guess I'm just having a hard time getting what drove to that point, I guess. Like, I, 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 can, I can accept the fact that that is what you're expected to pull away from it. I just don't understand what events lead you up to that conclusion that he draws. Yeah, what? what is it? Like, the fact that his girlfriend left him and then came back to him? That's what made him realize it? Well, it's everything. It's like, it's Little Rock, like, being gone, and they're not knowing if he's alive. And, like, Woody Harrelson wanted to strike out on his own, but then realizes that, like, he that he's better with these group of people, like... They have become a family by the end, instead of just people relying on each other to survive. Don't they, uh-huh. Doesn't he literally say that they're a family at the end of the first one? I don't remember. I think yeah, he does. Me might have, I don't remember. Because I remember him saying, like, I've always wanted a family, or something along those lines, and then, like, they show the whole crew. It just kind of seems wasn't, like if they do... This one? Oh, I'm almost 100% positive they said something at least similar in the first one. So it just well, kind of, Chris, to me, felt like they were just... Saying you're a family and acting like a family are different. They are different, but they're acting like a family from the very beginning, just a, less functional than what they were at the end. Right, but like I said, they take each other for granted, and then... By the end, they realize how important they are to each other. Classic family. <clears throat> I guess it's just that part seemed to not really hit me as much, I guess. Not saying it wasn't there, I'm just saying. Well, five minutes ago, you definitely said it wasn't there. And I and I retracted my statement, if you remember correctly. Yeah, I don't know. I guess my bidding is what? Like, I guess it just doesn't do enough. Or bring enough to the table to warrant being made ten years later. 
And it's my ultimately my problem with the movie. What does it have to bring? Something new? Something fresh? I don't think so. Why? I think Why? with a movie like this, that's a sequel of Why an original it bring movie. Something new and fresh? Because can it just be pure entertainment? Why does it have to have some sort of deeper meaning behind it? Because why, why raise the millions of dollars to tell a story that doesn't offer anything? For entertainment so that you can make money off it. Yeah, but I feel like there's many, plenty of ways to make entertain, to do entertain. Like you had $50 million. What was the budget in this movie? It had to have been like $150 million. I doubt it. I highly doubt it. What? Too much, not it's enough? Less, it's less than 100 all right, the budget is forty-two to forty-eight million. So let's just say fifty million. I'm wrong. Yeah, fifty. Yeah, fifty million dollars, and you want to make a movie for entertainment. Mm-hmm. Why? Like, why does it have to be Zombieland two? Double tap. Why couldn't you do fifty million dollars somewhere else for another project? Because you know that piece, you know that the general public is going to like this movie. Well, you don't know, but you have a safe bet that the general public is going to like this movie. Plus, it's an easy cash grab to make money off of. So if it's checking both boxes, why not? So if the only reason to do it is because it's an easy cash grab. Well, I mean, that's not the only reason. Your problem with the movie is not the movie's fault. Like, that is just how how that works. But it kind of is. That's not the fault of the movie. What I mean, that's but how still, that system but works. But still, someone wrote a screenplay for this movie that someone greenlit, and this screenplay doesn't offer anything new, doesn't add anything extra, doesn't add to the conversation, doesn't do anything. I mean, not all don't movies have to true. add to the conversation. You don't think, really? You don't in think terms there's of been the movies zombie, about... In the zombie genre? Like, there's, hey, you zombie want, movies, it's certainly doing new things. You want to see a movie about family? Um, Go watch the eight Fast and Furious movies. Well, explain to me. I, I, I disagree with that statement. What what new is it doing in, this movie genre, in the zombie genre? It's... Okay, so we're in a sequel that's ten years later. Yeah. We're past the outbreak stage. Yeah. So we're we're now just living in a world where zombies are. Walking that's dead, different but... than that's different than most zombie movies. Walking Fair Dead. Enough. Walking Dead been doing it for like four years now. Yeah, but Walking Dead is people versus people. That's 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 Yeah, that's... but it's still outside of zombies. You're now you're just doing day to day life. That's day to day life now. People against It's also it's and also the... new in the fact that it is evolving what a zombie like is and like what the zombies are capable of. It's saying that human evolution is still taking place within zombies. Okay, now there's a new idea that's not really explored upon. Well, how is it? Video games. There's literally, well, there's a joke montage about a zombie that takes a, a scientist's eye and gets in somewhere that's used as a joke, but it's not. That's not really in the like a part of the plot or anything that they have to deal with. As we just talked about, the T800 is a part of the plot. It's an event a soup, that a stronger zombie. Isn't that something though? A strong a zombie that can adapt. Isn't that what happens in World War Z? The zombies adapt. I haven't seen World War Z. I don't know. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> this guy's same? talking about the 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 nuances of zombie movies. Hasn't seen. World I'm not War saying Z. that it's nuanced. I'm just saying that like to say it doesn't bring anything new is wrong. So it brings one element. And, and an involved zombie, which has been done before. World War Z. I just said it. Came out like three, four years ago. Sure. Look at this. Look at that face. Okay. Like, face, I don't know. Again, you're mad at, you're mad at the movie face. for something that's not the movie's fault. 
Like, you want an original movie that has original ideas, and it's like, you're not going to fucking get it. This is I mean, I'm white, fine. This is white male aggression, Zach. Okay? I'm, so, I'm fine for a movie being pure entertainment and exactly what it is. If they can make money off of it and people enjoy the movie, by all means, just do it. This was I, just a fun movie. I'm, I'm fine with that. I don't think it needs to have a deeper meaning. I just, I felt I'm like. It has to have a deeper meaning. Just bring something new. And I'm saying it does. I don't think it does okay, need to. barely bring something new. I mean, Introduce something new. Why so maybe it... Zombieland 3 in 2029? Maybe that one can explore a little bit more. If they make a Zombieland 3 and one of the four characters doesn't die, I'm going to be pissed. I don't know. I, just, I don't understand why what they bring is not enough. Because we've seen it before. There's lots of movies that do the exact same thing that we've seen before. Yeah, but it's got to be a little bit. It's got to have a little bit more to it in these days. Why? Uh, I guess my problem is just that. I guess the, my problem with it is just how everything's going sequels. That's all it is. And again, that's not the movie's fault. But you gotta take a stance somewhere, Zach. If you just sit here on a puck, the fucking execs at uh, Sony are listening to the Film and Loathing podcast going, wow, this guy's really liked it. I guess we should make a third one. We don't need new content. Just make some sequels. You gotta take did, did a stance you, uh, somewhere, You gotta put your fist down somewhere. Did you, uh, you, you enjoyed Mission Impossible 6, right? Why not take a stance there? Because those are uh, good. that's the that's the sixth one, dude. Like we, but they're doing new stunts, money to new invest stunts? in Mission Impossible Six, dude. We could be making a new movie. <laughs> okay, new tech. No, Never you gotta before. take a stand somewhere, bud. You gotta take a stand um, somewhere. A sniper rifle pieced together out of a flute. What movie that been from, huh? Well, Where you seen that before? Five. So. Yes, what I'm saying. But each one doing new tech, adding something a little bit new to the spy genre. The fucking mirror thing that you walk down the wall with and it reflects back at you. Oh, this, mean, this guy who fucking loves James heck? Bond. It's James Bond doing new and fifty movies. It's the same shit every time. I don't want love James Bond. Oh, I you said like? I said I like the Daniel Craig James Bonds. I'm not a James Bond fanatic. Let's get your shit straight. Also, don't derail point. this when I'm making great points, Zach. You're not, though. Like, <laughs> your, your problem with this movie is not a problem with the movie. It is a problem with how movies are made. Also, there's nothing new about it. You keep saying one thing, the T-800. That doesn't do much. It's a, a zombie that... It, okay, the thing where it, like, eats out the scientist's eye and scans the thing, that's something new and original. That we've never seen before. But it's just used as a throwaway gag. Well, like, uh, like I said, <laughs> what, what, what the movie does, it does well. Like, what it's trying to do, what it sets out to do, it does well. Well, set out to do a new thing then. I don't know. You can't blame the movie because it's not exactly what you wanted it to be. No, but I can blame... That's not the movie's fault. Blame fucking Matt or Rhett Reese, Paul Wernick, and Dave Callahan who wrote the thing. How many people wrote the thing? How many? How many people three. is that? Yeah, it took three people to write this fucking masterpiece, Zach. That's a lot of people to write a sequel. It's probably just fucking, a team of people. 
Rhett Reese and Paul Warwick weren't doing it, so they brought Dave Callahan to spice it up with the with the T eight hundred. Never seen I, that before. I didn't dislike the movie. I I liked the movie. I thought there was a lot of good humor in it. I, the whole sequence when they basically meet their doppelgangers was just hilarious. Big I did, fan of I, that. Did find that? Because I'm, I'm not saying I don't like the movie. I liked it. It was fun. It was a good way to spend an hour and forty minutes. Plus. It's an exciting. It was really cool when they brought in like all the different, um, all the different like historically significant things that they normally wouldn't have had access to, but now they just have access to all of it. I thought that was super interesting. And also, Zach, you love the Mission Impossible movies, so don't I do. But I don't. I don't have a problem with this movie or those movies like being the same thing over and over again. I don't have a problem with it. I when I watch when I sit down and I watch Zombieland two, I know exactly what I'm getting and it delivered exactly what I wanted, so I'm fine with it. Well, <laughs> I know you're gonna have like complete right wing redneck like Woody Harrelson like making jokes like it's that's what I wanted that's what I got I liked it. I think Woody Harrelson is great in this role. Yes. Oh yeah, love Woody Harrelson. <laughs> Like Emma Stone. Not so hot on Jesse Eisenberg, though he's okay. But he's a little bitch in this movie, and he plays yeah. that well. Yeah. Um, totally. totally. I'm sorry. I'm out on Jesse Eisenberg, like I've said the past couple weeks. So he was, he was dog shit. He's not. He seemed. You just, you just have a weird resentment towards him. It's, it's evolved from Tom Cruise to Jesse Eisenberg. You need to just get over it, bud. Yeah, I'm not a big... He's he's pretty bad in this. He just... There's just no chemistry there. It just feels like he doesn't want to... He wants to be doing other things, and they're like... He's like, oh, really? Zombieland 2? Ten years later? I gotta do this shit? I don't know. I mean, I I didn't think he was bad. I thought he was serviceable, I guess is the best word to put it. If I had to say he wasn't dog shit. He does what he's supposed to do. Which means he's serviceable whine and like be overcautious about things and be himself he he's good at it well i'm glad you had a good time zach i mean i also had a good time like i said it was fine fine time if someone said uh hey i got a hair appointment in an hour or 45 minutes what should i do i'd say uh yeah, check out zombie Land too you might get a couple laughs out of it I love the opening credits. That going to the White House—that's that's that's creative. That's a cool idea. I just wasn't—I yeah. wasn't—I know it's like one of Zombieland's signatures, but I wasn't really like a big fan of like the interactive text in this one. It's the style of the movie, bud. I know, I know it is, but wait, you mean it's different rules in it? <laughs> hmm. Like the different rules that come up and it like has it on the screen. No, like, the rules and stuff was fine. I'm talking strictly in the opening sequence. Like, I was down with everything else. But, like, the interactive text in the beginning when they're, like, having all the names flash by and then somebody roll into the text and then you see it splash outward, like, I don't know. I just wasn't a fan of that specific sequence. Besides that, like, the commandment scene and then the rules scene where they're kind of comparing was very cool. I would yeah, say I, I like... I like when, like, they do something and the rule just, like, pops up on the screen without Jesse Eisenberg having to say, like, rule number whatever. 
Like, mm-hmm. when he shoots him twice and it just says, like, rule whatever, double tap. Oh, and they keep shooting and it's, like, triple tap, quadruple tap, what, nine times whatever the fuck tap. Zombie kill of the year drops the leaning tower of Pisa on zombies. That like, was so <laughs> funny. That was so funny. <clears throat> yeah, the, I, the, that is one thing I liked about this one more than Zombie <laughs> Land, where they go... They go to that well so many times, I think it becomes funny in itself. Whereas in the first one, I thought it was just kind of obnoxious a bit. But in this one, I thought it was good. I think the finale in the first Zombieland is better than this one. Like, there's more tension, there's more suspense there. And in this one, it's like, oh, we kind of know you're going to make it. Whereas in the first one, you you necessarily don't because you don't think there's going to be another one. Right. The group sex guy was funny. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, you would like that guy. That guy was funny, man. Did you melt melt down all the guns? Yeah, so we can make these little peace sign thingies. (laughs) Oh, that was good. He stole the show. Absolute star. Yeah, stole it right out from under... Woody Harrelson. <clears throat> yeah. Fine. Fun fine flick. Zach, thanks for pointing it out to us. What did you guys think of the uh, somewhat post credit scene? Dumb. Oh, with Bill Murray? <clears throat> yeah. I laughed. I'll be honest, I laughed. but I thought it was cool seeing Bill Murray get into it. but Seemed a bit pandering. Besides that, I didn't need it. I didn't really want it i didn't even really enjoy it that much i did like the joke about being murried that's pretty good i did like that i thought luke wilson was good yeah like, what's, his, what's his sidekick guy he looked familiar he's in silicon valley which yeah, comes out there you go, there in you go, two there days you go. You know, the like scene those, where they, like they run around that Elvis place and try to kill each other, that was pretty good. I'm kind of <laughs> getting tired of the one-shot sequences. It wasn't one shot. It was There's very lots of cuts close. in there. It was very close. No, there's lots of cuts in there. I guess it's just like the wandering camera, like the very strategic wandering camera of very long takes. Long takes, I guess, is what I'm getting kind of tired of. How would you prefer to shoot that scene? Mm-hmm. He, wants some, he wants some Rob Zombie-style action. Yeah, dude. There's a lot of cuts. Chaotic cuts. Not? Like the triple cut where like freezes on something and just like... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Rob Zombie-style. No, but seriously, how would you shoot that? Or you wouldn't. The duplicity theory of film. You just fucking do whatever. Just whatever I would, comes out. I want to. I, w- I would want to see Guy Ritchie style. What's Guy? You Ritchie would want to see a Guy Ritchie style. Why not? That'd Step be fun. one. I will run around to this side of the building. Step two. Woody Harrelson would be standing there, waiting to blindside said soon-to-be zombie. Step three, and then, you, then they just do it, like fucking Sherlock Holmes fighting someone. That'd be exciting, though. No, it's oh, that's not guy, exciting. That's, that's Guy Ritchie style? Yeah. 
Did you know that in all of his movies? There's a lot of slow motion. Is it just Sherlock Holmes where they do like the breakdown? Is he just doing other stuff too? Pretty sure uh, he's just in Sherlock Holmes. Cause just the breakdowns are in Sherlock Holmes, but there's a lot of slow motion in like King Arthur, and there's a lot of slow motion in yeah. Snatch. It's like they're fighting, and then it'll slow down on like a signature move, and then they'll keep on going for a couple blows, and then it'll slow down on a signature move. It's like the Matrix. Kind of like the Matrix, except exactly like the Matrix. Yeah, basically. I like that. I like that style because I feel like it's keeping you interactive in it while at the same time, you know, not like annoying cuts throughout the entire thing. Like it's not overdone. So you don't like a lot of cuts, but you also don't want to see long takes. Mm, yeah, somewhere in the middle would be good for me. Does it doing it in slow motion make the take longer? Mm, it makes it longer, but... Let's do it's not length of time for me. I think it's I think it's more of just like the action of it, like swooping across, you know, uh, a doorway to peer through the other doorway to see somebody fall through the window, and then so following through with the, like, the doorway. Anything that has like a, a hint of style to it, not interested. I mean, put that I thing mean, on a tripod. We'll cut. We'll go set the tripod up somewhere else. We'll cut. Put the tripod up somewhere else. We'll cut. Everything Anything has else? a sense of style no. to it. I mean, just because it's just one way of doing it doesn't mean that that's the only thing that's style. You're right. Lack of style is also technically style. But it doesn't oh mean that's interesting. God. It's not style. It's just like the sweeping long takes. Like, I just don't like when they're like, I'm not going to say I don't like it. I just said like, I'm getting, I want to see less of it. Of just like the long kind of drawn out moving with the camera kind of long takes give me three other action sequences that are shot that way i'm not saying it i'm just saying i didn't want to see it no you said you're tired of seeing it which means you've had to have seen oh it multiple my times before. i'm not playing this game again <laughs> it's true you did say those words i'm not denying i said those words sounds like you're trying to backpedal mm, i am trying to backpedal out of this conversation <laughs> chris take a stance don't be like little monsters. No way. No stance taken here. No stance taken. Done. Was well, that all we got to say on Zombieland Double Tap? Anything else to say? I don't think so. Chris? No, I'm good. All right. Star ratings? I'm going four. Four banger. Okay. I'll go three and a half. I will also go three and a half. Solid flick. All right, let's move on then. Um, so, Zach, you're not excited for Paul Dano, Riddler? You big no. PD guy? No. Are you excited for that Batman movie at all? No. Not even just Robert Pattinson's Batman? You should hate it because you're tired of them just recycling different characters and the same characters and ideas. In a way, yeah, kind of, totally. But I'm sure we'll review it, so. When does that come out? They haven't even started shooting yet, so. Years. So. Next year, the year after? Probably the year after, 2021. So, like, Christmas time? Or a summer release, summer blockbuster release. 
When did like Man of Steel? That came out in the summer, right? As did BBJ, BBS, DOJ. BBS, DOJ. <laughs> what about Wonder? What about Wonder Woman? Also no. summertime. No, really? I thought that yeah, was it came like out in July. No. no. So possibly. All right, Zach. Summer. I'm sorry. Suicide Squad came out in August. So summer 2021, then maybe potentially. It might be the earliest you'll see it. That is true. Oh, I thought that you might. This might have piqued your interest. No, sir. What about you, Chris? Are you excited? Are you looking different? Indifferent. Oh, you know me though. I'm a big fan of Paul Dano. Well, you're just a big comic book guy. Gosh, no. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm always excited to see a new Batman, just to see like how they approach it. But I'm tired of seeing a new Batman. Like, I'm tired of seeing Batman. I'm gonna see it. Like, Marvel fatigue is not like it's not just for Marvel movies. Like, I also have a fatigue of seeing Superman and Batman and the Flash. Like, I'm just tired of seeing superheroes in general. I don't know if it's superheroes of me. I mean, there's been a lot of different... Like, the thing is is that it's been one Iron Man since 2008. It's been, like, one same Batman... Or it's been, like, one same Thor and Captain America since 2000... Whatever, but... I just feel like we've gotten a lot of different Batmans in the past however many years. Since, like, the 90s. We've gotten Christian Bale, Robert Pattinson. Um, you don't have Robert Pattinson yet. You have Christian Bale. It's ben it's Affleck. announced. Ben Affleck. Right. And Ben Affleck. And then uh, who'd we have in the 90s? Michael Keaton? Yeah. George Clooney? Michael Keaton is the 80s. George Clooney? Yeah, George oh, no. Clooney and Val Kilmer. I just feel like they've been... Val Kilmer's Batman? Yes. I don't know. I guess I've just, it's been like more prevalent. Batman is, movies have been more prevalent in my life than like any other superhero movie. I feel like I've seen so many more different Batmans, but not a whole lot of other superheroes besides like the Hulk, but that's because every single Hulk has been dog shit. Yeah, I don't know what it is about the Batman story that makes people want to keep going back to it. I'm not interested in it. I like also seeing Robert Pattinson in movies like High Life and in movies like Good Time. Like I'm more interested in him doing stuff like that than him being Batman. I am slightly curious to see what a Batman movie that focuses on his detective stuff is like. Because that's not really anything you got from the Christian Bale Batmans. Or even the Ben Affleck one. Ben Affleck's quite the detective. He did discover all of those computer files that had those videos of the Justice League members. That's true. He did do that, but that was about it. So I, I wasn't a big see... Ben Affleck fan. Matt Fleck. Mm. No, he Not played great, Fleck. great Bruce Wayne. Stellar Bruce Wayne. Like, I think collectively, as a society, we should just agree, like, Batman is going into a vault for 20 years. 
No one can make a Batman movie for the next 20 years. No one can make a Superman movie for the next 20 years. And then in 20 years, you can reopen that vault, and then we'll see where we're at. Unless you want to give me a Jonah Hill Batman. I'll take a Jonah Hill Batman. Jonah Hill is Robin. We all know that. But like a fat Jonah Hill Batman. If he puts on the weight, do you think he deserves an Academy Award? I mean, if he plays Batman and he's fat, fuck yeah, I'll give him credit for that. Yeah, no, maybe once the bubble bursts and people no longer want to see superhero movies because they're all the same. Will that bubble burst? I think so. It's got to. I think you will start seeing the bubble burst now that phase whatever is officially over, like Avengers is over. I think you will now see these movies start to not make as much money. Do you think they realize that? Or are they just going to keep pumping it out? Like, they know that it's coming, but they just keep pumping it out until it comes. Well, like, think about what they've announced so far. Like, are you excited about any of that? No. Like, what are they, what are they announced? Are really excited like to see Doctor Strange 2? And or Black Panther 2? Black Panther. Black Panther. Captain America with the new character. Have they announced a new oh, standalone movie about that? Yeah. A um, Thor. I, I will watch Thor because Natalie Portman is returning. We'll not see it, probably. Uh, there's a Black Widow spin-off yep. origin. Uh, I'll see that. I think Eternals. that's interesting. There's going to be, a, there's gonna be a, a show on Disney Plus about, I think, um, what the fuck is the guy's name? Where they had the stone in his forehead that Tony Stark made. Vision. Oh. Vision yeah. and whatever her name is. Scarlet Witch. I think they've got Scarlet. Yeah, she's got a show. I mean, I'll see. I'll see the the standalone Black Widow movie. I'd like to see them take a darker approach to that one. It's called Lucy. But but I, it already exists. But I doubt mm-hmm. that they will because it's Marvel. Lucy? It's not going to go dark. Yeah, the Luke Besson movie with Scarlett Johansson, which is an enhanced like agent. I have no idea what that is. You live in a fucking under a rock. Apparently, shit. But yeah, like, no. There's a TV show called Lucy on like Amazon Prime or some shit. Everybody loves Lucy. Oh, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, everybody loves Lucy. Yeah. But how dark could a Marvel movie really get, though? Honestly, Doctor Strange Two is going to be the first Marvel horror movie, bud. Is it really? That's what they've said. Okay, yeah, PG thirteen horror film. Get real. If they made if they made a rated R Doctor Strange horror movie, not gonna even happen. though even though it was made by Disney, would not you gonna miss? happen. It's not gonna happen. If it did though, it's hypothetically. I don't care about this hypothetical, it's not gonna happen. Because it's gotta be it's gotta be hard R and like as in like they had to cut some stuff so that it wasn't N C seventeen. And I want to personally handpick the director. Okay. I would see it. Rob Zombie? You wouldn't it's see Rob Zombie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Would I watch Rob Zombie's Doctor Strange? Absolutely. As they'd say in the movie, absolutely, motherfucker. <laughs> but a rated R Doctor Strange horror film is never going to happen. They had to get special permission to keep making rated R Deadpool films. 
And those suck. They don't suck. Dead, well, second one does. Deadpool, mm, second one wasn't did suck. You but. really sold me on those Deadpool movies. Yeah. <laughs> it did suck. Well, no, it did, mm, no, it did suck. Well, the first one was pretty good. First one was fine. Yeah. It's about what you'd expect. Ryan Reynolds doing his Ryan Reynolds thing. I would give the first one a 1.5. What? And then if I could give a zero, I would give a zero to the second one. Why are you grading them so harshly, dude? Because I don't think Ryan Reynolds is funny. And the shtick of Deadpool is so fucking annoying. It does nothing for me. It is one of the most annoying things in Hollywood right now. Yeah, like you being so. super crass, like it's like I literally thought this style of humor was dead. Like you just saying fuck a bunch of time and like making dick jokes and like it's not funny. And like bringing to light the hilarity of the situation, like just plainly stating it as humor. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Get out of here. It was. And good I once, have though. been out on Ryan Reynolds for about ten years. Why? Because he does the same thing every time. Does it? Well, he only though. knows how to do one thing, and that's it's, be you, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. So like, He's if the you best made, at that one thing. If you took Ryan Reynolds' character from the proposal and made him say "fuck" a lot, it would be Deadpool. <laughs> like it's this, he's always the same it's just is he saying fuck a lot or isn't he it's the I, same see the thing is like i know you guys are right but i don't want to like what's his and, like if you took his character in blade 3 that's basically deadpool if you blade took this character sick. from just friends and made him thrown into like whatever happens to him transformed and he's ugly he would be deadpool uh but fat Fat Deadpool. <laughs> that would be funny. It's the same. It's always the same. I know you're right, but fuck off. When you're, when you're right, you're right. <laughs> Can you say? You're right, you're right. All right, let's move on then, and let's talk about some other things that we watched this week. Let's talk about some real films. Let's talk about some real shit. Chris, did you watch some good stuff this week? Um, I watched two good movies, one awesome TV show so far, and then another thing, and all well, three good movies, I guess. Um, and then another thing that was pretty good, but you guys probably gonna, don't want to hear about keep, it. You're gonna keep teasing me. You're gonna tell me what, what they are. Uh, you know, I just like to keep things spiced up. Um, mm-hmm. I'll just start off with a TV show. Uh, the TV yeah, show that- I, I started watching this week was uh. Hey, Siri, I don't want to talk to you. Big Mouth Season 3? No, but I did watch, um, started watching The West Wing. And okay. I don't know, I think it's pretty cool. The characters are really interesting. The interaction between them is, like, super witty, which I guess is kind of like a thing behind, what's his name, like Andy Sorkin? The guy who Andy made the network. Andy Circus, you're right. Circus. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Um... I believe Super the name you're cool. looking for is Aaron Sorkin. Aaron Sorkin. Chris, have you ever watched it. The Newsroom? Oh, I loved The Newsroom. That was a great okay. TV show. I would tell you to watch that if you hadn't seen it. No, I did. I already seen it, and I, I really liked that TV show. Uh, but The West Wing is is better. I think you should give like the first season a try. I've seen a lot of it, and I have no interest in watching it again. Why is that? It's a good show. 
it's just that world does interest me. I don't know. I think it's really cool. Like it's nice because like you always see these movies and TV shows where the president is always like behind super stressful situations, and he is in the show. But like at the same time, you see the president like playing cards with his with his crew. It's, it's the same reason like I wasn't that interested in House of Cards. Like political dramas just don't really do anything for me. I liked House of Cards uh, when it was mostly political stuff, but once it got into like the corruption side of things, I was. I was off. I was turned off. Once they brought it to a different kind of level, then I was I, I tapped out on that one. But so far, West Wing, it's funny. Like these guys, they they they're funny people. Rob Lowe's a funny guy. I hate to say it because he's so fucking handsome and funnies for ugly, fug, uh, uh, funnies for fugly people, but he does it well. Who does Martin Sheen play? Is he the president? Yeah. He's El Prez. He's El Presidente. He's good at it, too. I'd vote for him if he ran. How many how many seasons have you seen so far? I'm, like, almost done with the first. And is he a Republican? Democrat? Democrat. Democrat. I think. Yeah, I think he's a Democrat. What's his stance on gay marriage? He is, uh, he, he likes, he likes the, the gay people. That's good. Is he friends? Is he friends with Harvey Milk in the show? No. Oh, bummer, dude. No, I think uh, I think that Harvey Milk's days ended a little before that happened. Oh. Uh, <clears throat> for this show. I see. This is pre-milk. This is post milk. Post milk. Post milk. I see. Post milk loan. <laughs> <laughs> Give it a watch, though. Uh, no, probably not. Fuck off, Zach. But I'm I'm glad you're enjoying it. No, you're not. <laughs> it's like listening to you talk about chef shows. Like, I'm glad you enjoy them and are passionate about them, but I could not give less of a fuck about mm. chef shows. Also, because you have you ever given them a try? Like when you were talking about the Michelin star system, it's like, yeah, that's cool, all, but like, I really don't care. <laughs> Have you ever tried to watch one of those shows? I've seen baking shows, and those are pretty bad. Baking shows are like competition baking shows. Yeah, I just like they the, not the I just like the drama. All. I like the drama that's not the cooking. Like when the one girl needs to be there because her husband cheated on her, and now she has seven kids, and she doesn't know who the father is, and she needs to make a cake. But this other guy's mother's dying of cancer, and he really needs the money. Like, that's the stuff I'm interested in. No. no. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, I'm really sorry. This souffle is really flat. Like, Billy was puking last night, and I just missed my family. And then she starts crying. Oh, my gosh. You guys, like, are, picking, right. you guys are picking the wrong cooking shows. Just, like, watch watch Chef's Table. No. Watch the Watch the first episode of Chef's Table. I, I probably some, won't. I've watched some different stuff with Rachel, whatever she watches, and every time, that's always the stuff I care the most about. The TV shows, Chris, that I want to watch, uh, there's nothing. You know, reality, Flavor of Love, Ninety Day Fiance. Uh, Ninety Day Fiance, legit. 
it's pretty crazy. You're one of those people that watches like you, you'll go from watching like the most artistic Igmar Bergman film to watching, you know, my five hundred, my six hundred pound life. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> you'll sit there like... and you'll you'll watch it and you'll be like, wow, that was a really good movie. All right, time <laughs> time to throw on Tiny Homes. It's it's time to cool down with you know hoarders or intervention and. Pawn Stars? I don't like Pawn Stars. Ah. What about American Pickers? I've never seen it. That was a good show. <laughs> well, Westwood, we'll give her a poke for next week. Zach, what'd you watch? Um. Let me see here. Should we talk about? Should we talk about the three? Or you want to save that for a second? Save it for a second. I'll mention two things quickly. We'll do a we'll do a round, then we'll talk about it. We'll talk about the big three. So I watched um, Everybody Wants Some, directed by Richard Linklater, and it's still really good. I still enjoy it quite a bit. What? It's very very funny. It's just like it's very watchable for a two hour movie. Like it just flies right by. All the characters are so cool, man. You just you want to hang out with these guys. You feel like you are hanging out with them when you're watching this movie. That's true. Uh, and then last week, I believe I said that Whiplash is better than La La Land. Uh-huh. So I rewatched Whiplash with uh, some director commentary. And I think Whiplash... I think La La Land is a better made film. But I still like Whiplash more. It's just it's so good. It's so good. J.K. Simmons is great. Mm. <sighs> the lowest grossing movie to ever be nominated for an Academy Award as well. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> lowest grossing movie? Is that what you said? And the director's what? commentary is pretty good. What did it get for money? Lowest, I don't know, not a lot. It didn't have it a very made limited... for a lot. No, it wasn't, but like, it still did not make a lot of money. Yeah. Very limited release, too, right? Yep. I think just the big cities. And I don't remember it coming anywhere near us in Maine when, when I lived out there and that's when it was planned. Not that I remember. Nope. I still love, like, I like the end. I love, the, I think the end is the best part. And it's like, I feel like you could just read it two different ways. I think you could, ways? you could read it as, um, like, J.K. Simmons actually trying to sabotage him. And I think you could read it also as... J.K. Simmons, like, using this to motivate him to be better. I think that was, because I remember talking about it once with you, and I think that was what you were kind of leaning towards. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I definitely think I definitely think everything J.K. Simmons does is intentional. I think he does it to push Andrew to be better. Wait, the, so you think he, the ending, he's in, purposely trying to sabotage him so that he'll get an amazing drum performance out of him? Yes. At the end, really? I think everything you've seen before that, is him sort of just planting the seeds to push him to be better. 
I just need to watch it again because I always thought I remember or I remember thinking it was he wanted to fuck him over, but then Andrew thinking, "No way, I've been fucked over by you enough," and then rises to what J.K. Simmons had always wanted from him before in school. So it was like the pupil rising to his. I never thought it was intentional, like a grand plan where he's like, I'm going to invite him. I'm going to change it all up on him to fuck him over. And through that, he's going to give me an amazing performance tonight. Well, I think what he's the plan for J.K. Simmons would be, I'm going to fuck him over. And if he runs and never comes back, then I know it was never he was never meant to do great things. But if he comes back and shows me up, then I know I've pushed him far enough to be great. If he shows up or if he pulls out pulls out an amazing performance out of his ass. I mean, sure, the I, drum solo he probably wasn't expecting, but like I think he intended to push him to a breaking point and then said and then it's like, Well, do you quit or do you try to show me that I am wrong? And he tries to show and he proves that he is wrong. I don't think so, because I think it's a very it would be a very complicated way of thinking to think that Andrew in any situation would come back and try and, you know, overshadow him in some way, shape, or form in that one specific situation. Unless he was planning for after the fact, like after the performance. But even then, I still have a hard time believing that that guy would have any sort of expectation of him after that point. I don't think I followed what you said. So, like, I have a hard time believing that there would be any intent behind his decision besides saying, fuck you, you fucked me over, now I'm going to fuck you. Like, I have a hard time believing that at the very end he's trying to push him to be better still. See, I think that he is. I think he knows that he he says these comments like, I know it was you who read me out. Yeah. And he, he starts playing the wrong, he starts playing the music and then he does not give uh, Andrew the right music to play along with so he's seeing how he responds to that and if he responds by getting up and leaving that he knows that he's not Charlie Parker like he's not destined to do great things but if he's able to improvise and still give a performance maybe he is hmm. maybe. <clears throat> I maybe I haven't seen it in a while so I'm not sure but I have I, I have a hard time believing that part it feels like giving too much credit to J.K. Simmons' character, not enough to to Miles Teller's. Well, I mean, there's nothing. The I don't movie think it's definitely very much about a teacher-student relationship, and like how much you are willing. It's also the same thing in La La Land, where like how much you are willing to sacrifice of yourself to be great. Mm-hmm. I think it doesn't take anything away from his performance, but. I think it's also I think it's also very fair to say, without Andrew being treated as he is, he is not as good as he is. Like you just listening to, like your drum, your jazz drum solos, like in your dorm room, is not the same thing as J.K. Simmons yelling in your face and forcing you to be better. Mm-hmm. So I think he deserves a lot of credit, but obviously it's not taking any. It spends a lot of time on his drum solo, so it's obviously not taking anything away from him either. I think it's giving J.K. Simmons like a, a more complex theory than he would have actually thought if he were in that situation. 
Well, I think it's I think it's simple. It's I'm going to put you in a situation. How do you respond? Yeah, but I think it's not that crazy of a plan. It's not so that crazy he, of a plan. It's just like expecting him to come back and try and outshadow him is a very I don't far think, jump to make. Like, I how could he respond to that situation? And saying he's not sitting there saying I'm going to do this and he's going to leave and he's going to come back and prove me that I'm wrong. I think it's just I'm going to do this and see how he responds. You really think it's he's trying to test him further still, even though he left the program, he's not teaching. You still think he's trying to test him and not just. Yes, because I lost my job. You're a piece of shit. I'm gonna fuck you over because you fucked me. He's desperately seeking validation that he found someone special. Like he desperately wants that. So yes, I think he would still be testing him. I can, if he I truly, can... if he truly thought he had potential, why wouldn't he? I think he would still be testing him for sure. I just, I mean, are you trying to say that even if Andrew didn't come back and did what he did, he was just trying to see going forward? how he would approach the situation. Like, even if, if he didn't come back to that stage that one point in time. If he doesn't come back to the stage, he has his answer, that this kid is not cut out for it. Well, then I guess this what I'm saying is, great. if he doesn't come back to the stage, what other si- chances does, what other situations, what else can he do besides showing J.K. Simmons up that makes any sense at all? Nothing. To prove himself. So, like, what you're saying is is that he has to go to the thing and and outshine J.K. Simmons in that situation or else he's a failure. Yes. So I'm saying that's completely outlandish for one man, even if J.K. Simmons in his situation, to expect of one person. Maybe it is, but I think that's exactly what he expects of him. I think that's a reach. I'm not, I, saying, I'm not saying that J.K. Simmons' master plan is to piss him off so that he leaves and then comes back. His plan is simply just, I'm going to fuck with you, and I'm going to see how you respond. And based on how you respond, I will have my answer on what I think of you. It's very possible, Zach. It's very possible. It's I need to rewatch possible, it. possible, but it seems like a reach to me. I it's don't know. It's not. How is that? I don't know. I, I well, agree no, it would be a reach. a reach. I agree it would be a reach if I'm saying that J.K. Simmons knows that he will leave and come back and give this amazing performance. That is a reach, but I think he's simply just, how do you respond when I put you in this situation? I think, because like, I don't know, I feel like him coming back, because there's so many other situations that could happen in that, there's so many different scenarios that could happen in that situation. He could come back, and he could fuck up the drums intentionally just to fuck up J.K. Simmons' show. But if he does that, if he does that, then it's... There, it becomes more about fulfilling a vendetta and not about performing great jazz. And so, right. J.K. Simmons would get his answer as well if he did that. But the thing is, is that I, there's only one situation, one scenario where J.K. Simmons gets exactly what he's looking for. Yeah. I'm sorry. I I can't back that theory. I think that's way too convoluted. I think that's way too complex for one well, man no, to think of. I think I think it's complex. <clears throat> I think you're thinking that Zach is predicting that this is all going to happen. But he's simply just saying, let's see if you're actually as good of, like, let's see if you're still a good drummer. Like, let's see if you're, if you've really abandoned this, or let's see if, like, there is a drummer in you. Like, this is something you're born to do. Let's see. We're going to, we're going to find out right now. I mean, he's definitely born to do it. I just have a hard time believing that one man would expect another person to come in and show him up. No, no, no. What I'm, what I'm saying, what I'm saying is, <coughs> J.K. Simmons wants 
the Andrew character to prove to him that he's born to do this. So if he puts him in this situation and Andrew just gets up and leaves, J.K. Simmons then knows, okay, you're not. But if he comes, if he puts him in that situation and then he somehow finds a way to still do something great, then he was. The dramatics of it doesn't have to be there. Like, that's just the movie being a movie. What he really just wants to know is how do you respond when I do this? Sorry. I cannot back that's up. As simple, that's as simple as the plan is. I'm going to do something shitty to you and see what you do. It's a simple thing, but there's only one way to win in this situation, and I have a hard time believing that. But it's not and, about – I don't think it's about winning or losing. I think it's simply about determining no, what kind of character this guy is. It is, but if he comes back and plays the drums and he outshines J.K. Simmons' performance, that means that J.K. Simmons has won. Well, they both won because both he's an amazing because he's an amazing drummer now. They both won, but I don't think that J.K. Simmons gets the win on this. I think it's you don't want miles. him to get the win, but, but no, I don't think how he does. Out. I don't think he does. I don't think you get give J.K. Simmons the win on this. I think Miles Teller gets the win. Okay, but I think, also... I think J.K. Simmons gets kind of a pseudo win because he gets to see this performance. He gets to realize that there were f- his fruits that brought up this. No, he one wins because he pull, he pulls that out of him. I don't think so. No, he totally because it further complicates that relationship because now you're forced to ask, would he have given that performance without J.K. Simmons? And I think the answer is definitely no. No, no, no. You you get that performance from Miles Teller because of J.K. Simmons. But yeah, I am not. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that what J.K. Simmons did didn't make him a far superior drummer than what he would have been if it didn't happen. What I'm saying is, in that last event at the stage, I have a hard time believing that J.K. Simmons gets any credit in that at all. Besides the satisfaction of knowing, besides what he did, pushed him to that point. I I, I don't think he was in the long game in that situation. I don't think he was thinking the long game. Again, like I said, I do not think that that is the outcome J.K. Simmons expects. I don't think he expects the dramatics of that. I simply think he's putting him in a situation and just wants to see what he does. To see what he is truly made of. I I can buy it. I can buy it. I don't think he wants to see... What he does no, in that situation. no, but I think why, it's why would he bring him back then? No, it's important. I think there's, a, there's an earlier scene where he, where he says he always wished he could find his buddy Holly, but he never found it. I guess I just gotta watch this again. I, I don't. I honestly don't. I, when I think you, on a re like you will see like how desperately like J.K. Simmons wants to discover someone great. Like he yeah. he wants to be the reason that someone is amazing, and I think. When he finds potential in someone, he will do whatever it takes to try to push them to be great. So do you believe at the end J.K. Simmons is trying to fuck over Miles Teller? Like intentionally, and with what intent? Well, I feel like it's one of those things where if he fucks him over, fine. Like, okay, he gets a little gloat a little bit, and he proved, and he shooed Miles Teller away from him. But if he perform, if he puts in the performance that he does... Well, shit, now he just found the thing he's always been looking for. Yes, And if Miles Teller so easily gives up, then it's like, okay, I was right about you. You're not cut out for this. I guess it's just, 
why why do you think he does that? Do you think he's doing it just as a big fuck you? Or do you think he's doing it for the sole fact of trying to push Miles Teller more towards his limits? I think, I think he's trying both. to fuck him over. He's trying I think he's trying to fuck him over. But in within him trying to fuck him over, Miles Teller's character says, You know what, you fucked me over enough. I'm gonna show you. And by Miles Teller saying, I'm going to show you, that's what he wanted the entire time. He wanted to be shown that he has something special. Well, then you so can't like, say that he wanted to fuck Miles Teller over if he wanted him to succeed I think in the he's, first place. I think he's fine with that outcome, though. Like, he's if Miles fine Teller's, with it. If he, but, like, gets up and Miles Teller never comes back, like, I think J.K. Simmons is also fine with that happening. I think the way you need to look at it, though, is, is do you think at the end... J.K. Simmons wants him to fuck up, or does he want him to succeed? He wants him to succeed. I don't think so. I think he wants him to fuck up. I don't think so. I, I, think, do admit, I, I think he does want to him embarrass him. I think he wants to embarrass him, but I think in the back of his head, he's hoping, if I embarrass him, he'll show me. I he's, he's, basically, like, uh, he's basically like... He's testing him to say, show me what I know you can do. And he's pushing him to the brink of what he think will get him there. Yes, but that's saying that he wants him to succeed, basically. Well, I like I said, he really wants to be – he really wants a protege who be, goes on to do great things. So, yes, I do think he wants him to succeed because then he is right because then everything that he worked for means something because then he found exactly what he is looking for. I don't think it's, I don't think so. But I think he's I think also he fine. I think he's also fine with just embarrassing and making an example of the kid who got him fired from Schaefer. I think he cast him aside as soon as he went on stage and fucked up the performance at that school. I think at that point he's done with him. And then he finds a way to humiliate him. He does humiliate him, but then Miles Teller overcomes every obstacle to show J.K. Simmons. But then J.K. Simmons at the end still gets the satisfaction of knowing that he pushed him to that point. That's what I think happens. Then that's fine. That's your interpretation of the movie, and that's perfectly fine. But I think that that's a very surface-level way of looking at it, where if you just dig even a centimeter deeper, I think you can uncover the fact that Perhaps J.K. Simmons pushed him for a reason. And I think that I think that at that point you're digging for something that's not there. I don't I don't think that's I there. think that you're not digging enough. I think, right. like you said, you don't get subtext very well, and I think that <laughs> there are very many clues throughout the movie that would lead someone to believe no J.K. Simmons dude. is pushing this guy to be better. I don't know. I have a hard time believing ans- that. Answer the question. Does he give that performance without J.K. Simmons? No, he doesn't. Exactly. He the never place. steps on the stage again. But I think, Jake, it's, I think it's... Th- I'm looking at two separate J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons, while he has a job and Miles is involved, and J.K. Simmons, after he doesn't have a job and Miles uh, Miles Teller is not involved. There are two different, two different guys. Or two different influences on Andrew, I guess is what I'm saying. The first guy has an absolute 100% effect on Miles Teller and his ability to be a great drummer. The second guy, I think, has nothing but ill will towards Miles Teller in that situation. Okay, but, but, but still gets fruits of the labor. Okay, but stop considering J.K. Simmons and consider Miles Teller because 
the Miles Teller's vision of J.K. Simmons has not changed. No. He doesn't want he doesn't want to give up information about him. He doesn't want to come clean. He doesn't want to sell him out. So like when he sees J.K. Simmons again, like it is this is my teacher. Like this is the person who is pushing me to be better. Because he understands what's going on. Because like him, I believe he's pulling something out of it that you are you are as well. Well, Chris, when you rewatch it, we can talk again. I'll rewatch it. I'll rewatch it. Dig, dig a little deeper this time. If you still I'll... come away with the same analysis, Chris, that's fine. That's the beauty of the cinema. We can do that. <laughs> All right, I'll watch it again, and we'll we'll rediscuss. All right. Well, I uh, I'll knock off a couple things here real quick. Talk briefly. I watched Jungle. Directed by Greg McLean, stars Daniel Radcliffe. Thought this could be kind of fun. It's um, supposed to be based on a true story about this uh, British guy who kind of has this existential crisis and decides he's going to drop out of school and just go hike around. Goes down to the Amazon and meets this mysterious guy who offers to bring him and some friends to this um, Indian tribe that hasn't had a lot of... uh, it doesn't have a lot of um, experience with like white people, and so he's gonna lead him there. And as they get going, there's like a lot of tension in the group about, you know, who's the leader and all, all kinds of that macho shit. <coughs> Ultimately, it ends up leading a Daniel Radcliffe and a friend breaking off from the group, and Daniel Radcliffe gets lost in the Amazon jungle for like three weeks, something like that. Ooh. Um, I thought, you know, I, I, I kind of like these survival-type stories. I, I think they're kind of fun. Uh, but this one just it wasn't doing it for me. Uh, pretty boring. Not a lot of interesting stuff really happened. Um, what? What? Really? No, not particularly. Um, there's, like, a scene where he encounters, like, a jaguar in the jungle. But it doesn't, like, it's over pretty quickly. Um... Yeah, nothing really crazy. Like, I thought maybe like I'd see the you know, you really want to do something to me, Chris? Show me, show me a scene of him shitting or something in the woods, you know? <laughs> but there was just none of that really, or like. So it was like sea of trees. Eating some, yeah, kinda, just like or like eating some grimy shit or doing, doing something, but nothing, nothing really have any of that. So it was a survivalist movie that didn't really have any elements of survival. Well, the last part, definitely the last half, definitely has elements of survival. It's just not that interesting. Oh, uh, okay. What is it like? What What does he do? It's just a lot of walking, like a lot of montages of walking. Oh, and that's so, so it's not a lot of like. There's a couple scenes, you know, where he like finds a, a bird's egg and cracks it open and like eats an underdeveloped chickling. That's oh. not bad. That's not bad. That's kind of cool. But they're like, but there wasn't a lot of that stuff, you know. Yeah. Then there's this really weird element to it where, I guess this is true. Like I was reading up on about it, and apparently this guy imagined that he ran to this native woman, and she like followed him for a long time, and 
he like actually thought she was there and then it wasn't until later he realized that he was really all alone and made up the whole thing he hallucinated the woman that's kind of a cool idea yeah but that doesn't really go it's introduced in in um in resolved very quickly that's sad yeah getting, so, well, getting lost in the amazon for three weeks is a really cool concept no totally and that's but that's only so like the big most of the second act but the first half is them with the group and there's just kind of random stuff like kind of fish out of a water like like oh my god these bugs are so big and loud at night and all this random shit then it's them like struggling finally they split up in the last maybe 45 minutes is him lost on his own Mm -hmm. and at that point you know what i mean they're trying to wind down the movie so it's a little accelerated the big takeaway sorry go ahead you think it could have been like approached differently or do you think it should have been uh longer with more content well, I mean, it feels like it's trying to tell the full story of this guy, like how we got into the situation, what that happened, and then it came getting lost. So it's, I think it's more, I think it should be more they should have gotten to him being lost quicker and spent more time there instead of spending time on the other places that they do. Okay, that makes sense. Um, the big upside was you get to see Daniel Radcliffe's bare backside. Whoa. So shoulders down to toes, which means when you combine that with his horse performance where he was naked on stage, you can piece together Dana Radcliffe naked. I guess we're just going to have to uh, make a cardboard cutout, Daniel Radcliffe naked. Which Sell is more than you could say about Emma Watson. So That's true. We have seen more of Daniel Radcliffe than Emma Watson. We've seen a lot more of Daniel Radcliffe. We've seen all of Daniel Radcliffe, Watson. except for the butthole. Yeah, I and didn't see his butthole, but I saw his butt. They never show butthole in movies. I think that's the next. That's the new frontier, guys. Yeah. Because uh, they're starting to show penis, but penis eventually is just going to become a normal thing. So I think we got to get ahead of the curve and start showing butthole. You're not wrong, Chris. You're not wrong. Nope. I'm all aboard that. I'm all aboard the butthole train. <laughs> Zach, you said you're down with full frontal. Are you down yes. with butthole shots? Absolutely. Okay. And then I also watched a movie you guys watched last week. I watched <laughs> The Art of Self-Defense. Yep. Loved it. As Zach accurately predicted. Um, Very Yorgos Lanthimos, wouldn't you say? Yeah, some of the dialogue for sure. Kind of like that uh, very um, deliberate delivery. Um. If you'll wind the clocks back maybe 45 minutes ago and during Zombieland 2, you'll recall I said I was not a fan of Jesse Eisenberg. This is one of those rare occasions. I think this role is perfect for him. And he excels well at it. Um, but the big highlight for me was Sensei. I thought he was awesome. I loved his character. As do um, I. And I... I think it's a good. I think this feels like a good time to sort of refresh what Fight Club was trying to tap like tap into with hypermasculinity. Um, it seems to be a theme that's been coming back around again in film, and I think this one handles it well. Like it's it's so incredibly simple, 
that it's able to just take its time with it um, and really craft a nice story behind it. And I ultimately, I love the end result. As did I. Um, I like some of like the little gangs. I thought where they're pretty great. I like the the masters rainbow colored belt that he made for himself <laughs> that he made up and awarded to himself <laughs> that was pretty funny i love the one finger death punch over to the yeah i love that i thought that was great um the whole rules thing was very reminiscent of zombie land in a way also like in terms of like mask like the sensei obviously being the most masculine you can be Yep. So masculine, in fact, like, everything he says, no one questions. Mm-hmm. So, like, just, like, you know, what happens at the end, and then Jesse Berg just recounts it, and it's like, no one's, like, asks a question. There's like, yep, that's what, that's what happened. Yep. Yeah, the idea that, the, you know, the head person is the most authoritative, the most masculine. Though, and I kind of liked where it went at the end, you know, giving it up to the woman, the most trained, letting her take it in her old direction. Like, I like that. I think it was. Quality. I think it was. Yeah. I feel like that left. I feel like that's a better note to end on than what Fight Club ultimately ends up on. It's Fight Club without a dumb twist. Mm hmm. 100%. You still get to keep the fighting. Also, like, similar to Fight Club, like, people being bruised and, like, people getting the shit kicked out of them, but, like, no one says anything about it. Yeah, I love just, like, the weird turns that it takes, and it just does it so nonchalantly. Like, the scene in, like, the uh, in the dojo at night where he takes a guy's arm and fucking... Oof, that was brutal. Woo! Did not see that coming. I mean, like, I thought they were building towards that, and I was like, they're not gonna do that in this movie. I was not expecting it to go as so hardcore as it did. No, it went pretty hardcore, and, um... Uh... I respected it all the more. It's a this is a five banger, Chris, for me. Five. Five banger slip right into the top ten, just like that, easily. Jeez. All right. Yep. I'll pass it. Pass it on to you, Chris. Well, uh, since he brought up Daniel Radcliffe, I will now talk about Harry Potter one. Thank you. Um. Great movie. Fantastic. It's- whole lot of nostalgia linked to it so i can't really give it an accurate rating just because every single time i watch it i love it it's a five absolute absolute five so you can't give it a rating it's just that well i can but it's not accurate what's not a five what is it when nostalgia is involved then it's a different ball game entirely but i don't know i mean i still remember the first time i like sit down and remember watching harry potter and that one scene where they're riding in on the boats towards Hogwarts, I remember sitting there being like, wow, that's so fucking cool. Except I didn't say the F word, you know, because I was, like, super young. But it's a classic movie, man. The child acting, like I was talking to Jake earlier about, not ideal. But Daniel Radcliffe is awesome. Ron Emma, Weasley. Emma Watson's right? brutal. Emma Watson is absolutely brutal. Watching it her, her took her a little bit to get her acting chops. She got her chops though. She did. Like, it wasn't. It's not a bad movie. The the 
you know, special effects for the time apparently were pretty freaking good. How do they hold up now? No, they don't hold a candle. <laughs> they don't hold a freaking candle to watch the, that dog. I remember the troll looking particularly bad. The troll was pretty bad. But for me, it was mostly like the dog. Oh, totally, yeah. I, like, it's not even just like the dog when it's compared to the children. Like, it's not terrible for some reason. But when the dog is standing there by itself, I'm like, that's completely and totally animated, dude. <laughs> like, so animated, bruh. It is, and I remember sitting there being like, "Gosh darn it!" Like I can't. If somebody put this out today, this movie would be considered absolute trash. Now, it was perfect for the time it came out. Yeah, it definitely did seem like the perfect time. If, now, if this, I feel like if this was made today, I think they'd do it into a series. Definitely. Like I was talking to somebody about this earlier, but like if Lord of the Rings came out today, like Fellowship and everything. That probably would not be a three movies. That would be like five, six movies. They would split that shit up. No, trilogies still like. Tr- tr- no, trilogies ideal for the for the for the series, but no, no, no. I mean, like, I still feel like the idea of a trilogy is still a big thing today. Um, I think because if it's there are only a handful today, of there are only a handful of franchises that go beyond that. I know, but the thing is, is that if it's that profitable, then they're obviously going to try and extend it a lot. Like, that's what they did with the whole Hunger Games series, but they pushed it to four. And they did that with Twilight. They pushed it to four, too. And if they oh, made yeah, Lord brother. of the Rings today, oh, they pushed The Hobbit to three, and that was based on one book. They might push Lord of the Rings to four. I mean, it's a three-book series, so like, they would definitely try and push it to four, if not five depending on how good the first two did. Yeah, I don't know. I'm glad we don't I'm, not, I'm glad we're not around to see that. I'm glad we're not having that conversation for real, but 4K release coming out in December, January. 4K release of uh, Lord of the Rings Zach. When's it come out? Have you heard? I don't know. Let me guess you're not interested. In Lord of the Rings 4K? Yeah. Is it the extended edition? Let me look it up. Let's see what we got. Sorry, Chris, you can keep talking. I'll look it up. No, I mean, there's nothing really else to say. Like, it was a great movie. Nostalgia works perfectly for this. I want a poster of that um, shot where they're on the boats heading towards Hogwarts. Um, I don't know. I kind of wanted to see that. Now that I think about it, I, I would like to see... Would have liked to see that Gandalf last throughout all seven movies. Because Gandalf switched around like book movie three, right? Sorry, say that again? He switched what? Wait, what? Gandalf switched around movie three, right? What do you mean switched? Like became a different actor? Yeah, like the first one died and then the second one came in to take over during book three or movie three. Wait, what are we talking about? Gandalf. Or sorry, fuck, Dumbledore. Oh, okay. I was like... There's always one Gandalf. No, no, no Dumbledore. Yes, the third one is they introduce um, I can't remember what his name is, but he's my favorite Dumbledore. I don't know. I like the first one. I would have loved to have seen him last through all seven movies. I, I like. like it, I think he would have been tough to have as like the action adventure. Oh, for Dumbledore. sure. Like, I definitely. Like, that's why feel... I feel like that guy works better than the new a guy like, stepped in. The second one physically is, like, a better version of Dumbledore, but, like, I like how kind of dismissive 
the first one is. Like, he's not really involved, but he's always involved, you know? Where yeah, you get more of Dumbledore, uh, the second one, in the second, like, third through seventh. He's movie. like Oz the Great and Powerful in the first two. Yeah. He's just the guy behind the curtain. But then he takes more of a front-center approach in the ones going forward, which I like. I like the idea of Dumbledore. I just would like to have seen him play more of a background role, I guess. Really? Yeah. I prefer him front and center. He's one of my, I think he's one of the better characters. He definitely is, but I, the idea of him being there is a lot better, in my personal opinion, than him actually being there. Really? Who would you prefer to be there? No one. I would like... Uh, I would like... Um, m- I don't know, less involvement of Dumbledore just as a figure. I think he should be fantastic. And I'm not saying he shouldn't be in the movies. I'm just saying, like, less involvement, especially in the third one, would be pretty cool. Just because he comes center stage right then, right there. Now, thinking back on Lord of the Rings, or uh, on on, uh, Harry Potter. Yeah. Do you find it odd... That there's all these grown wizards, and none of them will accept to go fight Voldemort. They put it in the hands of a 12-year-old. I mean, obviously. (laughs) Of course I do. Like, imagine Professor McGonagall sitting there at a 12-year-old, 13-year-old boy saying, You have to be the one, Harry. (laughs) I'm way more more (laughs) adept at magic than you, and I can probably, you know, hold my own, but... You, a 13-year-old boy, have to be the one who takes care Kate, of this. Kate, you're forgetting about the prophecy and how Harry is the chosen one. I don't That's care. That's not even until the fifth movie. In, like, the second or third, they're priming him. He's got to be the guy to fight Voldemort. Spooky situation, man. It's fine. It's a I mean, kid's he fought, movie. He fought Voldemort in the second one. He got lucky, though. Fought him in the first one. Ah, he fought like an apparition. That was that was him on the back of uh, Riddle's head, bruh. He I, know, I remember. I remember watching it like the other night with Alyssa, and it came up with Professor Quirrell, and he had that turban on or whatever it is, and I was like, "Ah, oh, Voldemort must be sweating up a storm back there, dude. <laughs> <laughs> he must be fucking roasting underneath that thing." Are you going to watch all the Harry Potter movies now? No. Um, Just wanted to revisit the first? Unless I kind of wanted to watch them for Halloween, but I think of them more as like a Christmas time type deal. Dip your toe and get out? Yeah. I don't want to get too involved because then I got a lot of movies I got to watch in the next like week for the podcast. And I just know I'm not going to want to watch them if I get involved with Harry Potter too deeply. Mm-hmm. Well, you could be a grown man, Chris, and watch them both. So many movies in a three-day period, Jake. So I can't, who cares? I, I can't watch what the else seven you doing? other Harry Potters, plus The Lighthouse, plus two other Stephen King movies. I don't know what you're talking about Stephen King movies for. What do you mean? What do you mean? What do I mean? You know what I mean. I don't know, dude. Jake, don't confuse them. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm a simpleton, guys. Is that all you got to say on, on the Sorcerer's Stone? I'm done. Okay. <clears throat> Zach? Let's see. Um, I watched The Lords of Salem from 
2013, 12, uh, directed by Rob Zombie, starring Sherry Moon Zombie as DJ of a radio station and let's see, the city of Salem, Massachusetts is visited by a coven of ancient witches. That is the plot synopsis. Um, yeah, I loved it. I think visually it's Rob Zombie's most ambitious movie, but plot wise, it's definitely the one most targeted towards mainstream audiences. Like it just kind of has that plot mechanics and that feel. Um, a lot of really creepy stuff in this that I liked a lot. I will say, I've said in the past, that I think she is the weakest part of his movies. And I'm here to say, Chris, I was wrong. I will not say that That's a first. Often. She's the strongest I think, part? I think she's great. In that movie or in general? In general, she's great. I'm on board with Sherry Moon. You're going to have besides a little Sherry Moon over Miami? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to I'm going to take that sound bit of Zach saying I'm wrong and I'm going to make that my ringtone for every time I get a text. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, if only I thought that you actually knew how to do that, I might be worried. I'll learn. That's the that's, that's something I'll learn for. Uh, this one has some classic Rob Zombie dialogue in it, Chris. You want to hear it? You want to hear a line? Please. So there's a part where this guy is finds out some some of the history of uh, Miss Sherry Moon and is going to confront her, and she runs into these ladies who do not want her to know her past. So they invite the man in for tea. And he starts asking them a bunch of questions about these witches who used to live in Salem. And they say to him, have you come here to stick your nosy cock in her head and fuck her brains? <laughs> what? <laughs> Shut up. Shut an actual, up. An actual line in the movie that is repeated more than once. <laughs> they really Rob rolls off the that tongue. Line, and you know he laughed at it. It was like, you know what? I want this again. He's got a way with words. He's a w- real wordsmith. I can tell. Can you say that line one more time? Have you come here to stick your nosy cock in her head and fuck her brains? <laughs> what the fuck? It's poetry. Oh, yeah. My first thoughts, too. That's going to be like, you know how girls get rib tattoos of quotes? <laughs> that's going to be mine. That's you're going to have. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Awesome. Wouldn't put a past it, though. I watched a um, film from 2014. Been wanting to check this out for a while now. Finally get around to it. I watched A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Written and directed by Annalilia Mirpour. And I liked it quite a bit. It's, um, it's the first... Iranian vampire western, Chris. What a credential. And um, I liked it quite a bit. Um, shot in black and white, which I think uh, adds a little nice, nice little touch to the movie. 
Um, it's basically <clears throat> it's set in this fictional city called Bad City, which I believe is supposed to mirror Iran. And it follows this guy who's just trying to make a living, and his dad's addicted to heroin, so that sucks up a lot of money. And he ends up crossing paths with the lone vampire in town. And the two kind of hit it off, but he doesn't know that she's a vampire. Um, so it kind of just follows um, her and like, you know who she interacts with, who this guy interacts with. And it kind of you get a look at the city, the crime in it, the violence against women, the drug use. Nice. And... <clears throat> this vampire kind of comes up and not necessarily cleans up the streets, but the people she takes out aren't necessarily bad, aren't necessarily great people. So the world may not miss them. Vigilante style. Vigilante style, yeah. Um, it's got a great score. It's uh, you know obviously very heavily influenced by spaghetti western scores. Um, I think that's where like the western part comes in. A lot of the scores are very similar. Um, no, I, I I liked it quite a bit. Sounds like a real good time. It was good. It was. Uh, I mean to check it out for a, quite a while now. It just had never make it made the time, but yesterday that time was made. Mm. Mm-hmm. Take I'm up. Her Take her away. So, I watched a movie uh, with James Gandolfini and Julia Louise Dreyfus. Oh, gross. What, you didn't like the movie? Just just tell me what you think. Um, what's it called? It's Enough? I forgot the title. Enough Said? Or enough Said. Must be real great. Um, I mean, James Gandolfini is like a block of wood in it. There's really no. I mean, there's like there's no dimensions to him at all. Like he's just kind of like he's monotone throughout the entire movie. It doesn't seem like it's really hard for him to put on his performance. He's very wooden. Yeah, Julie Louise Dreyfus is just playing every character she's ever played. Um, including Elaine. Including Elaine, except like less abrasive Elaine. I don't know. It was kind of a boring watch, in all honesty. I just wanted to watch it because of James Gandolfini. Big Gandolfini head? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm interested in the guy. I, I, I've, I've heard that he's, like, a fantastic actor, so I wanted to see if that was true. But nothing besides Tony Soprano so far has really showed me that he's anything special. Uh, words. Almost makes you wonder if he's special at all. Uh, very true. I don't know. I mean, it was an entertaining watch. It's just not anything that I would really ever go out of my way to watch again. Out of out of five, I'd probably give it like a two and a half right down the middle. Mm-hmm. There's just nothing really like super wrong with it. It's just nothing's really super right with it either. It's just kind of there. Mm-hmm. Like little monsters. Little Monsters is just a bad movie. Like, that. that's bad. <laughs> yeah, that's all I got to say. What'd you think, Zach? Of Enough Said? Yeah. 
Uh, it's, it's fine. Wow. Word, man of many words. Because, you know, I don't like romantic comedies, so it's not for me. Why don't you like rom-coms? Uh, where do I begin? They don't... Uh, no one dies. Um, mm. There's no nobody, gunshots. Nobody says motherfucker. They don't say things like, you come here to stick your nosy cock in your head and fuck her brains. <laughs> What's to like? Oh, yeah, that's right. You hate love, though, so... True. So I guess it is what it is. Me, a believer in humanity, loves love, but... You, you cynical bastard. He's John Lennon. Love, love, dude. Uh, how much more you got, Zach? I only got one more to talk about. I got one. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, this is a movie from 2016, uh, directed by Rob Zombie, <laughs> called 31. So this is... These people are kidnapped... And they are held hostage in, like, a warehouse where they are forced to play a game called 31, in which they have 12 hours to survive while these sadistic people try to kill them. And, you know, I think it's a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> shit. <laughs> game sounds like a real There's definitely some, some class commentary. As you know, Malcolm McDowell plays this really rich rich man, and there are, he's accompanied by two really w- rich women dressed in Victorian era clothing as they watch these people get slaughtered for their entertainment. Um, Sherry Moon Zombie is the good guy in this movie, a little different than normal. I think, I guess, it's definitely his most brutal movie. Like there's a lot of like some some gross stuff, <laughs> but it's that's the good stuff. And so Richard Brake is in this uh, as a man named Doomhead. It opens with you know a black and white monologue, and I think Rob should just commit to doing a full black and white movie at this point. Like, I'll see it. What do you got? <laughs> um. But yeah, Chris, it's a it's a nonstop thrill ride from beginning to end. I think the ending's a bit of a dud, and the characters are I don't know, it's tough. Like they're not good enough people where you're rooting for them to survive, but they're also not bad enough people where you're rooting for them to be killed either. They're sort of like it's in the middle of there, and I I would have liked to have seen it go one way or the other. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, pretty, pretty, pretty good. Nice. Let's see, I watched, um, Jojo Rabbit, directed by Taika Waititi. It's his new release, just came out today. Uh, it's about a young boy named Jojo. And he is a Nazi, and his best friend, is, or his imaginary friend, whose best friend is Adolf Hitler, played by Taika Waititi. 
And really what the movie's about is the boy, um, you know, he, like, goes to school and they tell him all this, like, Nazi propaganda shit and he believes in himself to be a Nazi. And he finds out that his mom is, played by Scarlett Johansson, Zach's heartthrob, is she is hiding a Jew. And so through different circumstances, he can't really rat on her. Different things will happen. So he's just forced to accept her presence, Chris. Mm -hmm. And through that, they get to talk. They get to talking. And he (coughs) says, you know what? Maybe these Jews aren't so bad. Maybe they're not the bad people that we're making them out to be. Maybe we're maybe we're the bad people. <laughs> you know that whole thing. Yeah. Um, it's fine. It's a fine movie. Um, it's got some it's got some humor in it, especially you know uh, I find Taika Waititi to be quite funny, and him playing Adolf Hitler is itself pretty funny, and a lot of his stuff is f- pretty good. Um, but the rest of the movie as a whole, it's. It's all right. I, it, I feel like it's a a very simple a very simple message, very obvious message. Yeah. And I think the movies has a lot of has like a lot of fun that I think um, they can kind of get by on being incredibly simplistic, and then the fact that it's like a comedy, so like you can kind of give it a little bit of a pass and kind of just have some fun with it. Kind of just, you know, revel in the humor and walk out with a nice little message at the end, you know, as a, you know, so definitely a little bit of an elevated comedy, but in terms of anything up there with the best of the year or anything that's interesting to say, um, I don't think this is quite the, that movie. Um, I have heard some things that might get nominated for some awards, which is possible, but, I don't think it's gonna would win anything, you know. Sure, sure, sure. But it's it's it um it is funny. I would recommend uh, giving it a watch. It's good. I like uh, the child actor who plays JoJo. I think he's awesome. Um, the girl who plays the Jew, her name's um, can't remember what her name is in the movie, but she was in Leave No Trace. I think her name is Mackenzie Davis, maybe. The Yosi fighter. The UFC fighter, she's in it. She, I can't remember what her name is, but I like her. I like her quite a bit. And Scarlett Johansson's always great. But yeah, kind of just a just a fun little movie. You know, it's a good way to spend an hour and a half. It's fun. But uh, wasn't the uh, wasn't the film of the year I was hoping it would be. But that's okay. Uh, Chris. Um. I rewatched Dunkirk. Ooh. Nice. Um, I don't have a problem with the last shot. Of the kid on the train? What? The kid on the train is the last shot. Yeah. I don't have a problem with it. It's one shot too many. Because it should end with just Tom Hardy in the, the burning plane. The burning plane. Why is that? Because it's cooler looking. I don't think so. And cutting back to the kid on... Really? Really? I, I don't you think, think the kid on the train looks cooler than a burning plane? 
I think I think that's it's, what you're willing to tell me right now. Okay, okay fine. It's not a it's not cooler looking, but it's more enjoyable to end up with a kid on the train. Why? Because you start with him. But you also like follow the, three different story arcs as they happen. So why end yeah, with him? What makes him so special? Because you start with him, I think it's a cool idea to end with him. What do you gain from the last shot? What do you gain from the burning plane? It is a stunning image to end on. Okay, but what do you gain from it besides it looking cool? You gain that the hero of the story does not get to be celebrated as a hero. He is taken away as a prisoner. So why can't you end on the guy who you started with? Where he basically has accomplished his goal of escaping the he- thing that he considered hell. You can. Clearly you can, because they did. I just don't like it. Alright. Well, I think you're wrong. Very enjoyable movie, though, all around. I thought anything involved that involved water with the movie was really cool. <laughs> The stuff at the sea is my least favorite. I like the stuff in the air. I enjoy and the stuff on the, land. I enjoy the stuff in the air, but anything that happens on the wall, like with water, like when water's coming in through the boat, like I was clenching. Well, like, you're I, a waterhead. You love water. Mm, love water. Big water fan. Anything to do with water, you love it. Mm-hmm. Like that scene in the in the, the Mummy Two, you love that. That's your favorite scene. Sure. Plus, you know, the Titanic. Oh, love that movie. You do love the Titanic, that's true. Anything with water involved, I'm just a big fan of. Little Mermaid, favorite movie of all time. I believe that. (laughs) Really? (laughs) No. That's not real. Anyways. um, You're not real, man. Big fan. Big fan. Dunkirk is a five. I do love Dunkirk. I love the score. It's my favorite Christopher Nolan movie I've seen so far. That's correct. Mm. Yep. Pretty good. Zach, anything else for you to talk about? Just the big three. The big three. Let's do it. New stars. Off? Oh, sure. Yeah. So this would be the Firefly Trilogy. Directed by Rob Zombie, which consists of House of a Thousand Corpses, Devil's Rejects, and now the new Three from Hell. Um, I really like House of a Thousand Corpses, The Devil's Rejects is fine, and I loved Three from Hell. I would say, real quick, I did not care for House of a Thousand Corpses, Devil's Rejects is okay, really like Three from Hell. Well, you're one for three. Let's get in on it. One for three? Why wouldn't I be two for three? I agreed with two of the things you said. Well, you still didn't like it, so you suck. <laughs> Has of a thousand corpses? Yeah, what's not to like? It's great. <coughs> it's a great flick. Mm. I feel like it's too busy. Also. There's a lot of stuff that's going on that's bouncing around between. You've got the introducing of Captain Spaulding. Yep. And trying to keep him around. Bouncing to the house, where that feels very extended. 
um, with like you know the sitting around waiting, the the dinner sequence, the entertainment, which leads to them being kidnapped, and then there's all that that unfolds. Plus, like us trying to escape the kidnap, which then leads to underground layer. We have all these people that were supposed to be mis- like mysteries and urban legends, and did they exist? Yeah, they actually did. They're underneath this house. Just felt very busy. There's a lot going on. It's not for peons with bird brains, that's for sure. Not peons with bird brains. Like me. Mm. It's true. I don't disagree. It's not it's not like his best movie. Um <laughs> but I still find it pretty enjoyable. The Captain Spaulding stuff I really like. I like the Captain Spaulding stuff. I think the stuff in the house, once you get past the dinner scene and they are now, like, prisoners, I think that stuff is really good. Mm-hmm. Especially with, um, what's his name, uh, Walton Goggins. Oh, plus I forgot all about that section, too. Once, uh, once they, like, the police come to their house and there's the shootout and then I think, like, the ritual at the end is really good. I agree that it gets a little out of control. Like, it's a bit crazy where everything goes. And, but I, I mean, I still liked it. And I love his chaotic cutting and, like, his use of, like, 16 millimeter and, like, cutting back and forth, like, home footage that looks like uh, Otis is shooting. It's just real, it's real creepy, I would say. Definitely captures the, the creepier vibe more. But I think, like, what I like about it, like, especially when it gets into Devil's Rejects and then especially Three from Hell, is that if, as, like, as these progress, they feel to get more, like, self-parody. And I feel I like would... that was where I was able to kind of get into it a little bit more. Because it wasn't taking itself so seriously. And the characters weren't taken as seriously anymore. So it felt like a little, it felt a lot more, like, whimsical. And, like, could be fun to get behind. I think... House of a Thousand Corpses is really the only one that I would consider to be a horror movie. See, I would consider a House of a Thousand House of a Thousand Corpses to be a horror movie. Yeah, it's the only one I consider to be a horror movie. I said the Devil's Rejects. I don't know. House of a Thousand Corpses is the only one that is a horror movie. That feels like yes. one. Yes, one hundred percent. And then, and I think he sort of uses that to his advantage in Three from Hell, where like. It really isn't one at all. No, only in the sense that it's obviously not a drama, obviously not a comedy, not a sci-fi film. Because it's directed by Rob Zombie, they're just going to slap that label on it. Right. But that one feels the most toned down of all of them. But we'll get there. Um, I also feel like, I don't know, I just feel like Maybe it's just because it's the first one in the installment. Maybe now that I've seen them all, if I were to go back, I'd have a more appreciation for them. It's also it was his first movie too. First ever. Yeah. Oh, okay. And um, I think there's a common issue among horror films. I guess you could say is like the characters not being that great. And I think that's true here because like there's that scene where Sherry Moon like chases that girl and stabs her a bunch like in the graveyard before they do the ritual 
Mm-hmm. And I literally thought that that was the girl who, like, ends up surviving in the end. And I was like, wait a second. I thought you were just stabbed by Sherry. And I was like, oh, they're not the same person. Even though it literally feels like they are the same person. Yeah, well, and all all of them are very one-dimensional. Like, Baby, Otis, they're all very one-dimensional. Which I think is fine for this type of movie. But there's so many characters, I think they all start to just sort of blend into one another. I think this is true of all of them. Otis is the best. Yes. No, best especially... character and, like, best performed. I think, like, halfway, partway through The Devil... I think once you get through The Devil's Rejects and they become... Like, when the movie turns and now they become the ones you're rooting for, like, that's when I really start to like these movies and, like, these characters. Transitioning... Like, I knew... Because I saw Devil's Rejects before I ever saw House of Thousand Corpses. And, like... I don't really think it matters if you watch them in order or not because they're very loosely connected. It's just the sense that they're the same characters. Plot-wise, they don't follow each other. But I did feel like... Like... House of a Thousand Corpses is not at all set up that Captain Spaulding is part of this group of people. Or that he's their father. Like, it literally just goes right into Devil's Rejects and it's like... Hey, uh, Captain Spaulding is now uh, one of these guys. And you're like, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Where does this guy come and in? Not only that, but he's their father. Yeah, a little, little strange. Yeah. Um, but I think The Devil's Rejects is the weakest one. And it's the one with the biggest call following. I, I don't really understand why. Like, it's... Mm. I think it's because it starts to ride that line a little bit. Like it's not, like it's not gory horror that would turn people off. But it's not, but like it's got some stuff in it to keep pe- to keep people engaged. Like it's like riding this line. Like, like all of the stuff in that movie, like with the Marx Brothers, and like, you know, this yeah, very cop odd. like chasing them down, like. And with the mother, like, it's just, it's so weird. Like, I didn't care for a lot of the movie. See, with the thing about, the thing about The Devil's Rejects that I think works, like when you have Rob Zombie who can only write one-dimensional characters, is that the sheriff or whoever's chasing them is the biggest piece of shit that it works that you end up rooting for them. Like, you end up rooting for the family once he's caught them. So I think that is effective. Like you're you're able to successfully make the audience feel for someone that you've spent a movie and a half hating and despising and wanting them to get caught. Almost I also feel like it's just like I feel like nothing that they really do in the movie like makes that much sense. Like for like for anyone. Like I really don't really see why they have to take these people captive like that doesn't really make sense like they should be focused on like getting the fuck away from where they are mm-hmm. like well i'm gonna keep, keep these people hostage and i'm gonna take them out to where i buried all these guns and it's like why the fuck do you need these people like hostage to go find your guns and like why are you wasting time like with them 
holed up in a hotel room where you should be like on the run. Mm-hmm. Yep. And like I don't understand the cops' decision to take them back to their house where they have tremendous home field advantage to torture <laughs> them. Like, does it make any sense? I guess it more makes sense in that you can torture them, burn the house down, and walk away. No one will really care. That's about really it. You could burn the house down anyways. I guess that's true. They're not there anymore. You could just burn it down if you wanted to. But the whole, like, capturing them, like, I feel like that's more of just, like, Rob Zombie doing his Rob Zombie thing. Like, able to put things on display. Like, his lines that he likes to use. You know, his, like... And this one, Chris, you get a great line of... The next words that are out of your mouth better be some Mark Twain shit because it's going on your gravestone. That's pretty badass. A good one. So it's just like an opportunity to do that and like build a little tension, which I don't think it's even that tense. Like I feel like everything that House of a Thousand Corpses had in terms of like horror tension and like despising these characters and being afraid of them when they're around is all thrown out the window and gone in the devil's rejects. Like, I think what house of a thousand corpses does really well is show you like a glimpse into this really brutal, terrifying reality and does a great job at like making you feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And like this one gets away from that a little bit where it's more of like outlaws on the run. And I think it could have been more. It needs more outlaws on the run. It, that and it would have benefited more from making you feel more uncomfortable. Yeah, like them just on this killing spree across the country as they try to escape or something, or even like it's weird. Like then watching Three from Hell, where like Otis is very calculated about what they do because he doesn't want to be caught. And it's like, well, where the fuck was that 10 years ago when you were on the run again trying not to be caught? Like, Now, is that just a taste of prison? He's had a taste of prison, doesn't want to go back? I don't know. I don't know. I just, I really want to like it, but, and I do like it, but I don't, I don't love it. I don't love it either. But I do like Three from Hell, though. And I think what I like the most about it is now it has fully gone into, like, its self-parody mode. Like, you get the beats now. Like, you get what the characters are about. Like, you kind of know what the feel of the movie is going to be. So then you can just kind of be along for the ride and go for it. I The first ten minutes of this movie where it's all, like, documentary footage and, like, them in prison and whatnot, I was thinking, am I going to give my third six out of five here like this fucking thing is amazing <laughs> then i think he finds a very creative did you does the voodoo version of this come with the documentary the making of it might i don't know well if you watch the making of for this movie uh he talks about how like two weeks before they were started shooting he realized that sid Haig was very very sick and would not be able to do most of the things that the script calls for him to do. So, like, two weeks before shooting, they completely rewrote everything to not include Sig Haig as much. And I think he found a very, like, clever way to get him out of the picture pretty quickly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I would say that I really like the introduction of 
the Richard Brake character. Yeah. What I liked about the opening bit, and something I wish they would have stuck with more, is the idea of them being sort of like with the natural born killers of like glorifying killers in the media and like the two polarizing sides. You tell you're telling me, bud, this does in ten minutes what natural born killers tries to do in a whole movie. Like I wish I I wish that was a bigger focus. Like that could have been very <coughs> very interesting. Like the public's portrayal of them. Like versus what we know about them, like that could have been very interesting. Um, this movie feels like it has two distinct parts to it, and I like that the second part. I really like it. Yeah, I love in Mexico like that. I feel like that is really where it kind of hits its stride because like these characters are like kind of loose or not on, they, they don't feel like they're wanted anymore. So they're kind of just kicking back and relaxing and you get to see like a little bit of a different side to these characters, like the having fun side. Well, it's also like we can't have another movie of them on the run. Cause we already did that. So what can we do now? Yeah. The whole prison stuff at the beginning though, with baby and, um like all the, like that different stuff like wasn't crazy about it i like that stuff like i definitely didn't care for like the prison guards the cool old women who seem very out of place and like saying bitch all the time bitch i like definitely felt very off they take this turn and like baby has kind of lost it in prison yes like it got to her and she's not the same anymore like cra- but that's the thing. Like she doesn't seem any crazier than she does in the Devil's Rejects. No, she does. Does like, she? Like they're trying. I don't know, like she definitely just takes. She does risky things for being on the run that I don't think would happen in the Devil's Rejects. They do risky things. You don't think holding up someone hostage while you're on the run is risky? Well, like, her taking, like, a bow and arrow and, like, putting on the native hat, even though the cops are, like, surrounding them. Or, like, chasing the naked girl out and stabbing her in front of other people. Like, I don't think that would have happened in the Okay, Okay, I'll, I'll give you that one. Yes. That's a little more risky. Crazy. Or, like, leaving the hotel room to go find some guy to kill. Like, I don't think that would happen either. Yeah, okay, maybe. But, no, I think, like, the the, the -the over-the-top cartooniness of it all was kind of just made for a fun watch. And definitely way more toned down, though. Like, I feel like the violence was way more toned down and felt felt like something you could just get from, like, a John Wick or something, you know? Nothing that crazy or over-the-top. It was mostly all gun stuff. (laughs) Yeah, nothing real. Plus the bow and arrow stuff was crazy. I like the, the machete boner stuff. Bow and arrow. Oh, okay. I like the machete fight. That was cool. And uh, I like I like Otis the most in this one. He's I liked good. his I liked his big fucking white beard. It says motherfucker quite a bit. A lot of <laughs> time. No, I liked I liked it quite a bit. Me even considering it. Just to uh, finish off the trilogy, picking her up on 4K, showing Rob my support. 
It's good. It's a good watch. Five out of five. I liked it quite a bit. Not a five for me, but uh, maybe a four. Four for me. I think I'd give House of a Thousand Corpses a three. Devil's Rejects a three. Three from Hell a four. House of a Thousand Corpses four. Devil's Rejects three and a half. Three from Hell five. It's a big praise. And that concludes that for me. Chris, you got anything else to talk about? I'm done, bud. Zach, anything else for you? That's it. Uh, yeah, the only thing I got is the lighthouse, but I'm not going to talk about that yet. We're going to save that for a feature episode. Uh, anything else you guys need to talk about before we sign off here? Nope. No. Well, as always, thanks for downloading. Thanks for taking the time to listen. Uh, come back next week where we'll, we'll be... We'll be doing discussing something. something. We'll be doing something. We know what we might be doing, but you don't know. So come back and know. I don't know. Is anybody surprised? I will be. <laughs> Until next week, have a great week. Bye-bye. Another wholesome ending, Jake. <laughs> <laughs>